Welcome to the Municipal Arborist Podcast, which features conversations on arboriculture, the tree care industry, and all things tree-related, as told through the perspective of a municipal arborist, whom is me, your host, Joe. This episode of the Municipal Arborist is sponsored by Davey Resource Group. Davey supports better urban forestry. For over 100 years, Davey has been a key leader in the development of best practices in our industry, like iTree, tree inventories, canopy studies, and various urban forest plans. Whether a tree inventory, exploration of different operational scenarios, or updating ordinance language, their team of professionals has the training and experience to support your program. With a portfolio of diverse clients and a talented team of experienced professionals with deep knowledge and national support, they are your go-to partner to move your program forward. Arp Session sells the arbor supplies, tree climbing gear, and tree stuff you need to do the job safely and efficiently. Their goal is to be your one-stop shop for everything tree climber related, so you can stuff that gear bag full. They carry a wide variety of rope with splicing options and all of the leading brands to make sure you have the best gear and equipment. Check them out at arbsession.com. Winkler Tree and Lawn Care is a veteran-owned and operated family business serving residential, commercial, and municipal clients across the greater Chicagoland. Winkler is TCA accredited and their team of ISA certified arborists are on a mission to keep their clients and their teammates for life. Hello, and welcome to episode number 46 of the Municipal Arborist Podcast. That was the sound of a beer opening. I will drink it as I read this introduction to you. Today is January 30th, 2024, and I'm pleased to introduce Aaron, who was up from a few hours away in Midstay, Illinois, to participate in the Illinois Arborist Association Strategic Planning meeting, which takes a number of hours. Uh, Aaron has participated on the board of directors for IAA for the past eight years. This is his first year where he's not on the board, but he's still serving on as a uh, committee chair for the advanced training committee, where he helps uh, assist with aligning our goals of training aspiring arborists and current certified arborists. And I will say that, I'll toot our own horn here and say that we offer far more training than most other local chapters of the International Society of Arboriculture. Culture. So come check us out, Illinois Arbor Association, throw it in Google. Uh, We do a ton of different testing for all of the different uh, examinations, certified arborists, municipal specialists, track qualification, In fact, a lot of people come in from out of state because we have so many different offerings on that front. We also offer a ton of different advanced training opportunities, not only in hands-on training, but also academic-based curriculum. Uh, So yeah, check out our website and see what we have to offer. But Aaron's a great guy. We had an awesome conversation. Uh, We spoke for about two and a half hours or so, and you'll listen to it and you'll you'll enjoy it. I like Aaron. He's He's a great guy. Uh, but moving on to other news, you can check me out on Instagram, the municipal arborist, the underscore municipal underscore arborist. I've been popping off quite a few different video memes lately that have been generating quite a lot of feedback, and I've been getting a lot of additional followers on there. So I appreciate anyone who has done so by following me there. 
If you'd like to contribute to the show and join a slew of others who have, you can also uh, contribute by joining my Patreon, which the link will be in the show notes there. If you sign up, I'll send you a nice little swag package or merch package, some stickers and some other cool stuff from the show and current past sponsors. Uh, There's also opportunities to earn some additional ISA CEUs there through bonus episodes. If you'd like to shoot me an email, you can do so at themunicipalarborist at gmail.com. Tell me how bad I am. You can compliment me on my, uh, you know, average looking looks. You can, you can, you know, disparage me through, through how, how silly I am talking like right now. And, uh, it'll be really appreciative. I, you know, it'll be, it'll be cool. Uh, so let's see, what else do we got here? I am going to be at iLandscape in Schaumburg here on Thursday and Friday, which would be the, let's see, the 1st and 2nd of February. So a lot of you who are listening to this will have missed that. But if you listened to this before, come find me at the Illinois Arborist Association booth. I'll also be recording some episodes there on some podcast episodes there on Friday. But anyways, if you come and track me down, I got some stickers and pins for you. Come say hi. And I'll also share with you all the cool stuff that the Illinois Arbor Association is doing this year. Anyways, let's get on to the show. Thank you so much for listening. I hope everybody's January was exceptional. We're moving into February, which means time will start moving faster, which means we'll be into the busy season, which means it'll be good. People will be making money. The days will be going by faster, but it also means that we'll be slightly more filled with stress due to the workload that we have upon us. But until then, listen to the conversation. Have a great time. Thank you. It's, I'm I'm a beer judge, and it's for a while it was hard to actually enjoy beer. Like when I first started judging beer, oh. so I couldn't go somewhere without like running through the process of judging a beer. So mm-hmm. like for like two years, I couldn't really enjoy a beer. Like you know, <laughs> just sit there and like drink You're a beer. Overevaluate, right? It. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. every day. It's like everyday life in tree work. <laughs> I can't just sit at home and just look at a tree and enjoy. It's like shit. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's got that problem. That's got that problem. You know, it's, <laughs> my brain doesn't stop running anymore. But well, what do you like with the, the trees? What's your favorite thing that you do w- with your career in our industry? Like, just talking about the beer stuff, like bouncing off of that. What what would be comparable for what you do day to day? You know, um, it's probably writing pruning spec you know specifications and looking at any tree that you know whether it's two inches diameter or whether it's 40 inches in diameter there's something structurally 99.9 percent of the time that needs to be done and being able to identify that and you know whether it's you know in a municipality or you know college campus or even a residential setting we're you know managing risk at the same time so being able to actually provide something that's going to help that client mm-hmm. you know that's i've pruning science has come a long ways over the last you know five years or so and you know as we walked around your neighborhood we saw what not to do most and, mostly only what not to do right yeah 
<laughs> but that's but you know that's I've kind of taken that and expanded it in you know talking to Jake Miesbauer at the Morton Arboretum and you know we're putting some more pruning classes together for IAA mm-hmm. and more workshops and trying to kind of expand that part of the industry yeah you know, in our within Illinois. Well, yeah, and that's we've talked about it on this show before, or on this podcast before, or show, whatever you want to call it. I call it a podcast and show. Oh yeah, whatever. but anyways, uh, like I that that young tree training and young tree pruning is and definitely what I think, at least with municipal foresters, is the biggest hole that we have right. because it is often misunderstood even by the professionals, right. which I am, and I still, like we talked about, I understand the principles, but I haven't gone through the processes enough and exercised it to be what I would consider an expert like you at it. But then also the problem is, is even no matter how good us professionals or urban forest practitioners who are in charge of these trees care and health is, you know, a lot of the, the work that gets done is contracted and right. getting those guys trained up on it is incredibly difficult you can't even get them squared away with just a simple dead wood and raise removal even right. if you remove structural pruning out of it you know so it's it's a huge it's a huge challenge right and it's i believe it's only going to become harder for as i like I, I work on the private side so i would be yeah. you know a contractor that may come in and and work you know on say your pruning specification you know you know if, if, say say we won the bid but the way the language is written in, you know, the A300 standards, um, it's it's hard for the everyday company, you know, that, that may win the bid, because most, most municipalities are, are low bid. So, you know, I don't know if there's a, a check in there that, that they can, you know, mark, you know, some bots that they can, you know, chat that's, you know, yeah, we understand, you know, because the language you're going to use is going to be out of the standards or, or the BMPs. Right. And, right. you know, say it has to be this type of cut and you go and look and they did the opposite. You know, you're not getting what you want. And that's, you know, now you've now you you've lost money or maybe they've lost money. And now you've got trees you've got to wait on again. Yeah. And that and like the you know, with with the the problem with well there's there's a lot to unpack there but like it's almost like you need to like get someone on and almost like vet them slowly right. but there's not really time for that and really it should the onus is on them to train their people to do things right regard you know and follow what the specifications are but right. then also our windows are so small right so if you have a budget year that's on your calendar year that means you can't even get started on your cycle prune till january 1st you know and in some cases you might not even be depending on the municipality they might not even be sitting down like that you might have awarded that contract you know and it was voted on and con- everything signed in november or october or early december whatever but sometimes these guys aren't even sitting down for meetings until january 1st right and then yeah. you're starting two or three weeks later mobilizing right. and then now what do you have two and a half months before the growing season's back right so it's like everything's like rush 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 um at least from that respect um and then like like transferring it to in-house crews which would be preferred is uh-huh. a whole nother because then you can at least 
nurture and train right. these people coming in. But the problem with that is, is it's so expensive in this area to have that sort of staff in a municipal setting, you know, it's expensive between, right. you know, between their salary and all of their benefits and the pension and everything. I mean, you're looking at like 120, 120 grand a year per person per person. Right. Even if they may only be making 65, but right. that's what it costs still with all the right. benefits and all the other stuff associated with it. So, and that's a problem with like the, you know, the government, they're looking at numbers, right? They right. have so much to do and the trees are this tiny portion of the budget. They don't want to focus on it. So there's like a lot of shifts that need to take place. There's a lot of dominoes, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That none of them are even standing now to even fall because they're already fallen. Right. <laughs> you know, so like, yeah. How do you get them back up? You know, you know, there's just, it's a lot. It's a struggle. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's going to be hard because as, as municipalities move away from doing everything in house, um, and most of them are, you know, low bid. So it becomes hard to train people like on, say, the IAA side with like workshops or advanced training or, you know, whatever we do is the people that are coming to the classes aren't necessarily the ones that are going to do the work. Do the, yeah. And, and the people that aren't, it's the same thing we experience everywhere in, in our industries that the people that should be there aren't. Yeah. And they're not getting any of that knowledge or, you know, learning how to make certain pruning cuts or, you know, what does it mean by removal versus reduction cut? Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it's okay. I know exactly what to do. Um, but for, you know, say a company full of people that don't really understand it, they may not even, you know, understand English at all, you know, or, you know, be able to comprehend a pruning spec. It's, it's challenging Mm -hmm. and you're not going to get what you want. And municipality, I don't know how, how things work up here, but do you burn a bridge and, you know, not, you know, pay them, you know, if it's that far out of line? No. And, well, basically what happens is it depends. I'll say that. Yeah. You can't just not pay them. Like they're pretty much going to get going to get paid unless there's like right. I, I don't I don't I can't even think of a scenario off the top of my head, but you know a lot of contracts have like damages, damage clause built in, you know, where it's like a a a, a per instance fee for everything that's wrong. But then right. getting that enforced is 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 also difficult. Um, so we, I can use an example from when I was in my previous role, we had a contractor that was so bad that it was so, it was going to be so hard to just like fire them that we just canceled that portion of the project. Sure. So that, that contract was, you know, cycle prune and T and M work. So we just after a week, week and a half or two weeks or whatever it was, I don't remember exactly of it not being right. And us trying to repeatedly correct them. Right. We just said, look, we're going to cancel this project. And luckily it was mutual. So there was, we didn't have to get into any kind of legal crap with them. Right. Yeah. Cause that's the other thing too, is, you know, we're both signed into these legal binding contracts. Right. right? So, and then also, (laughs) It's such a pain in the ass. Like, I'm not trying to, like, stick up for the problems. Like, they're just problems, you know? Yeah. And just getting out of that stuff is is, is difficult. Um, and then with, the, like, the low bid thing is super complicated because, like, 
you have you just have to you know there's different ways you can go out for proposals where you're grading people on specific um quantifiers right so like once we we tried one time and i've talked about it on this too like once we tried uh, you know having uh bonus points right so you can like have a table with all these quantifiers yeah and you get different points for each one and one of them that was a big one for us was tcia accreditation we wanted to try it right but we it the 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 prices were like through the roof right like and and you can't and it's very difficult for us to turn around and try to justify that type of increase when you're talking about you know 60 or 80 percent increase over what your intended budget and you know past years contracts have been right so i mean i'm not it's just a lot of problems Uh you know and like i've said before everything that we do comes from them out here and the public you know what i mean so unless they get it and they buy into it right me or you if you were a city forester goes and tries to get something like that done it's it's very it's very difficult right i mean we should still continue to do it but again it's a list of excuses but i don't have to deal with that right now anymore yeah i was saying it's I'm dealing with other things but yeah yeah to like say like the trees we looked at out here in front of your your place that you know they've they've been lion tailed so now we can't like, should they need to come in and do anything in the future? You don't have a lot of options anymore. Right. You know, like, yeah. And I don't know if that was the spec or not, but it's like decisions like that on like the private side, we write, you know, very basically what we call prescription pruning. Um, it's, it's very detailed to the, to the diameter, to the amount of branches, to the location. Of Obviously you can't do that, you know, when you're dealing with maybe tens of thousands of trees, but like, removing interior branches is is a no-no of course you know that's something we we train our employees to do or or not do in that matter um (laughs) don't touch them right you know right they they stay unless i tell you to take them you know specifically but like it's like because trees are dynamic but when you lion tail like in the examples we looked at it's now you've now you've may possibly increase risk of course with not even thinking about it yeah you've just made a big giant lever right right you're almost it's almost like what happened out here and uh just because like i know my buddy miguel who's been on the show might listen to this no offense (laughs) miguel it's not you it's them yeah but like um it's almost like we've overreacted without it's not almost like we have we've overreacted us as a society have overreacted without any sort of education right like we're almost better off of not doing anything right than doing that right going down the block right you know literally damaging you know tree after tree after tree after tree correct you would have been you would have been better off just not doing anything right i mean where where you're at you've got a Actually, a good age range of trees, um, you, know, you know, fairly small between the red buds and the swamp white oaks. Your sycamore, you know, is, you know, still relatively young, Yeah. you know, for what a sycamore could do in an urban setting. And you got some older, you know, linden and silver maple, you know, varying trees of age, but they should be at different stages of, of structural work throughout their life. And basically, right now you're starting at 
you know, day one for all of them is, yeah. is what happened. Yep. And you've got some really large pruning cuts <clears throat> that, that are going to take, you know, a long time to seal in some cases, or they may not. You may get decay in the trees you don't want them to. Mm-hmm. And then it just keeps going on and on and on, and then now you're removing the tree instead of, you know, you know, oh, could have left, you know, those sits scaffold branches and been fine. So, like, <clears throat> what I would, like, but going off of what you were just saying, like, what when I was just talking about, about educating the public out there to, to try to get the push in the right direction, a lot of what you do, I imagine, is that, right, on a one-on-one perspective. So right. how do you approach the person who wants, excuse me, something removed that would be not advisable for the tree? Like some perceived risk that doesn't exist and they want to open up this big giant wound. Like how do you educate them and push them? Do you, do you like. I will bury them in fats (laughs) to the point that they just either say, okay, or, or just give up that, you know, as, as experts say, let's say I, I have a plumber come over to my house and I, you know, he's, you know, and I have a, you know, a backup or maybe, you know, something's leaking somewhere or there's a, you know, bad solder or something. And I just hover over and say, you should do this and this and this and this and this because I want this done this way, this way, this way. I would, you know, I would expect him to say, no, it needs to be done this way because I've been doing this for, you know, 30 years, whatever it is, you know, license, whatever problem is. Same thing in our industry. That mm-hmm. it's, it's weird that we have like, you know, electricians and you have plumbers that everyone respects, you know, yep, you know what you're doing, good. When it comes to tree work, you know, it's, well, the client wants what they want. And I'm very negotiable, but and I have, you know, pretty, you know, um, there are, are lines I don't cross. And it's, it's usually it's large pruning cuts is usually the biggest one. Um, and it's species dependent, but most people want to uh, make the largest cut possible to remove what they view as the issue. Mm-hmm. But what they might be doing is creating a much larger issue at the same time. So it's it's more education on, on the private side. It's interesting because it's an interesting analogy with the other trades because not only will they listen to what those experts have to say, but they'll also pay. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. What they're asking. And our industry is usually... No, I'm not going to pay that. I'm going to go find, you know, someone yeah. down the road that can do it cheaper. So how do you find in your in your uh, in your region? And I don't mean this in a negative social way, but I imagine in your region, there's folks who are have a less appreciate appreciation for the urban forest or trees. I know you're not necessarily. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you approach that? Um it's Bloomington normal is heavily popula- populated. So we will find certain pockets of, of the city where there's that mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as you get further out and sometimes, you know, into more rural areas, you know, that, that same conversation happens. Okay. Um, but our ideal client isn't that client. No, of course. Like I've, I've, I've joked yeah. with people, and, and, you know, residents that I've spoke with is like, you know, because you always get that. I get these calls all the time like, oh, they're saying I need to remove the tree. Should I really oh, right. remove yeah. it? You know, and it's like, well, first of all, I'm not going to tell you yes or no. But say it's like they apply for a permit and I come out and I'm looking at the tree and seeing 
comparing it to the, uh, you know, uh, specifications of the ordinance. Right. Which is what I do. Um, in that instance, if they're talking to me and they're like, you know, there's like, they're like, oh, they're thinking I should prune this tree, but I think I should remove it. And that's like, well, if they, if you need it removed, then they're going to tell you to remove it. Like really mm-hmm. what they want to do is keep you as a customer. They right. want to come back every few years and take care of this tree for you. Not just to make money, but they also likely care about it. Right. You know, they don't just want to cut down the tree and be done with you. Right. And that's, well, it's actually. That's both, a different argument. It's actually but, both sides of the coin. Yeah. yeah. Some, some, some businesses that, that is the business model that it's, they don't, uh, they're there once and it's usually yeah. if they're in the area and, when they, I see and that, they don't plan yep. on coming back. And I see a lot of that too. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens all the time and I, I mean, I've seen it in my own neighborhood. I mean. And, and their trees are gone, no more trees, done, you know, we're not coming back. You ever had uh, people, I imagine you have, where you're trying to educate them on the proper techniques or prescription for their tree, and, you know, you give them their estimate, and you, you give them the whole spiel, and then, you know, you drive by two weeks later, and the stupid thing happened. Oh, absolutely. By somebody else. Absolutely. <laughs> I've, I mean, in the, in the talk I gave it, uh, last year's annual conference um one of those tree one of the the trees in that session is 100 percent that mm-hmm. that here's here's this printing spec um and i i would anticipate that the company that did the work they didn't have a spec it was it was written as prune tree on a piece of paper yeah you know versus you know 10 sentences of you know here's how we're going to do it here's what we need to do because what you see is what my crew sees and they have to be able to decipher it at the same time, you know. And we'll, you know, take pictures, draw lines. Here's how many cuts. Here's your diameters. Here's where you're going to do them. And it makes it very simple. So, so you know, what's interesting though is because you've been doing that with the with the crew or crews or however many folks are working there. Um, obviously, just through that repetition, they've picked up on a lot of stuff on their own. Right. Right. So yeah. they're doing like. They're following the specific prescription, but as they're up there, they can do little. If if they yeah they you they, know what I mean they like have nothing major. But, but my point is is right. like they have much better understanding. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we do a lot of in-house training on you know structure and defects and you know what certain words mean. You know because we want to use the language of the industry. You know when we write our specifications, just so I because that's the way I'm going to communicate with with the crew and they and i may you know go off you know off script a little bit to maybe uh describe something but it's only something only the crew can see on their end you know mm-hmm. when they go to the job but it's they need to be at the way they need to be able to understand the way that i'm thinking it's, we can't be at every job on every tree of course you know when we and i i don't do them my other coworker does like 95 percent of the sales my sales just come if I'm there doing consulting work um, or, you know, site visits mm-hmm. is, is typically when it happens. But my my scripts tend to be very, uh, very particular. And it's fine. Trees are dynamic as long as they didn't really screw it up. You know, say they didn't get the exact cut I wanted, but it was maybe just, you know, a little further out. That's fine. We'll address it later. Mm-hmm. I can always take it off. I can't put it back. Right. That's yeah. you know, so yeah. when in doubt, be a little be a little more lenient. 
Yeah. You know, and you're, you know, a little more conservative and you're pruning. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's, that's, because it's, it's, you get into bigger cuts and you're going to, you'll create problems. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you have to. Correct. There's some, sometimes you in have some to. cases there are, there, there is, um, there's, there's no way to do it without making large printing cuts. And I set expectations with, you know, clients, whoever that client is, that, okay, we'll do it, but here's what's most likely going to happen. Yeah, I can imagine, like, <clears throat> just thinking about a lot of what I do, if someone's attempting to retain a nice tree in order to facilitate their project, like, sometimes they have to make right proper pruning cuts, but just improper in the fact that they're taking too much, opening right. up too much, but... You know, at that point, it's like I'd rather see the tree stay and evaluate and see what happens or them evaluate. It's their tree, not mine. Right. Then, you know, have them remove the tree. Right. But also that species, Correct. you know, dependent condition, site conditions. How's the site going to be impacted after, during and after? Right. What are the yep. grading changes? All that, you know, a lot of different, a lot of different layers. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of a lot of pruning comes comes down to structure. Really, is the biggest thing. I think it gets overlooked the most of anything. Most people think of structure when the trees are young. I'm, I think of structure. I don't care if that tree's 100, 150 years old. I may be able to do something. I may be more uh, reserved in what I do because I, I don't have many options. Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm maybe getting some pretty big wood. But there's something I can do still right. to make that tree more structurally stable. Yeah. Because, I mean, we we will see failures just out of the blue when, you know, it's, you know, high aspect ratio branches where, oh, oh wow, they, they look good. Yeah, but they were the same diameter. You know, it looks like what we used to call a perfect union, you know, U-shaped union, but they're both the same diameter. Yeah. And there's more than enough science out there of, of you know, people pulling trees apart. And doing load tests that prove that those bigger branches, when they're the same diameter or you know above like fifty percent aspect ratio, they will fail. Well, yeah, and that sycamore out there is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Right, you've got you've you've in that tree they you know removed all the lower branches, you know up to about probably ten or twelve feet you know of scaffolds, but left the giant codom in the top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anything, you know, especially when you've got utilities on the other side, if they just let those go, you know, and they compete with each other. Say it should fail potentially, mm -hmm. could cross the street and knock power down. Sure. Or you just remove it. Yeah. Or reduce it for now, and and you're fine. You work with um, any like larger <clears throat> private like corporate centers or anything like that, or schools and things for writing prescriptions for large-scale pruning projects like where you come in kind of more fresh they haven't done anything in many years and you're trying to get them squared away yeah my biggest client uh right now is uh, illinois wesleyan university hmm. uh, which we did their inventory um uh, back in june of or july of 22 um and then from there we developed their management plan based off the inventory and then wrote their tree campus care plan, 
to get them ready for to apply for Tree Campus Higher Education, which was submitted in this past December. So hopefully they have that, you know, by March. Uh, we get all that done. But yeah, it was basically writing their entire printing spec um, from start to finish, their removal process, their construction process, um, how anything related to a tree um, when there's some sort of activity. Sure. Here's how you address it. Who do you work with on something like that? Is it like a grounds manager or something or someone higher than that? Uh, it comes out of uh, what's called physical plant is, is the, the department um, and then ground services mm-hmm. is within there. And then they, so that campus had been neglected for roughly about between 25 to 30 years. Oh, wow. Where they were planting a lot of trees, but they weren't maintaining um, what they had. Mm-hmm. So we're at a point where when we did the inventory, we had a, a lot of high risk uh, trees and high foot traffic areas. Okay. And we flagged them um, for a level three with a tomograph. Uh, to do a risk assessment on them with a tomograph because we needed more information because we don't want to say, you know, remove all of these 25 trees. You know, we don't want to do that right away. It's college campus. You know, there's roughly 1,600. It's private school, uh, roughly 1,600, 1,700 students. So it's small. And when a tree's removed, people ask questions. Of course. They have a really, (laughs) you know, really strong, like, environmental, Mm. um, you know, sustainability department. So we went in with the tomograph and then um, started to assess the trees and then make make a more um, uh, fine-tuned plan for the higher-risk trees. So that way we could kind of space them out, you know, over, we did a, a five-year plan for them. Oh, okay. To try and, one, spread out costs. Yeah, it's great as a company. What could you give me, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars? Right now, do it all. That'd be great. Well, it's not. It's not how it's going to work. Yeah. So yeah. here's, you know, tell me what you can give me, and then we'll start. You know, we'll get some stuff down the road, see what we can do, and we put it together. And then we got their number, and you know what they wanted to spend annually. So then we, I went back in and fine tuned stuff again, and started bringing numbers down and back up where I had to. You know, okay, we can wait on that one, move it down. And I mean, it's it was a project. It took uh, over a year to close that that project. And is that type of thing then set up to where you guys have a multi-year contract with them to follow through with that work, or is it you you still have to bid on it after you've created this the management plan for them? Because I know have, it varies. Yeah, they they have their numbers. Um, there won't be any bidding. We've it's the. The conversation was, uh, we're not using anybody else. Gotcha. So just, we have their inventory. So if if we go away, yep. so does the inventory. I gotcha. Yeah. So that's a very valuable piece of software Yeah. for what we do and for what they do. Because when there's a construction project, we'll just build a filter and then send it off to the, you know, the engineers and the architects and developers, whatever's going on, the GC, if they don't have that inventory, they they don't know what to do. Right, right. So it makes it very easy for us to stay as a as a as they are our client, and we're their tree care company. Have you done any other uh, consulting work for development projects? Um, 
developments uh worked on more on the construction like tree preservation yeah that's plans. what i mean yeah. yeah like just writing writing plans okay yeah do you uh, know if they've like fo- followed them um <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you don't have yeah. to throw anyone on the bus the reason i ask is because like talking to other consultants i know that like unless it's like a high profile thing like it's almost like again we're just like this commodity like we right. come in you're paying they're paying you guys for this thing and then they're not following right. it you know correct i mean i have the same problem because our ordinance requires all that stuff for almost everything right you know and it's it's in depth and then uh, but it's not even for me to enforce it is difficult let alone the 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 properties outside of what i do that i again i know there's consultants that do that work even just for homes right and it's just not it's not followed you know? Oh, absolutely. Now, unless we're a part of the team, we can't guarantee it's going to happen. And of course. I've, I've driven by you know sites that I've written plans for, um, whether it's tree, tree preservation or protection plans. Um, and usually we get called after the fact, you know, like the engineers already have what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And then they send us, you know, here's your 500 page manual, you know, for the project. It's like, oh, great. Could you please tell me where where the preservation page is, <laughs> you know, so I got did through it and find it. And then I looked at it and I'm like, well, we got, we got to change some stuff. And I'm like, well, how much money you need? He's like, well, I've got a couple thousand because I got to rewrite it. Yeah. And we'll get going on it. And then, you know, they realize that it's, it may not be what they want. And then, you know, cut ties and right. Nothing happens. Yeah. Or we write it and then they just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Which does happen a lot. That's what, so in, in my work, we are, you know, I'm at the plan review stage for code enforcement of it, you know, in order to make sure it's enforced, right? Right. We're trying to massage everybody to do the right thing. The problem is, you know, the BMPs state, right, that we, we, we should be part of the plan, the planning process. Right. Well, I'm part of the plan review process. So I have the same problem, right? Yep. They're submitting these plans. They're submitting their civil engineering drawings with what they're proposing. Mm-hmm. And I could make them move things to a degree, uh, but a lot of stuff what I do is such smaller parcels, there's not a lot of movement for things. Right. There's so much competition for utilities. And now, especially with the uh, um, big influx, and this is weird too, of like water, of runoff, water runoff, storm, storm mm-hmm. water stuff, like so weird like no the public never thought about this shit forever yep and all of a sudden like you know someone some other nerd we're all nerds it's i can say it some other nerd starts talking yeah. about it and they're like let's do it right but we've been talking screaming about trees forever and they they still don't get it but right. anyways with all that i'm competing against all of that and there's just like limited spaces to make things right right and you know they're not the 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 developments are not going to stop you know, mm-hmm. so like a lot of what I do is just like meeting people in the middle. Yeah, yeah, make because, some concessions because somewhere. there's no there's no other way to do it, yeah. right? They're making concessions too, mm-hmm. you know, and otherwise it's either don't do it or we make concessions, you right. know. So it's 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 really interesting though. It's just funny, you know. These people spend, you know, depending on the project type, you know, they're spending five or fifty thousand dollars on just civil engineering drawings, plus mm-hmm. then the architectural drawings. So if I'm asking for a change on the civil end, that's also potentially going to affect the architectural drawings. And right. that needs to all get, you know, so it's like 
And then, oh, absolutely. you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's very, it's not as easy as everybody thinks, but that's that workshop that I'm doing at Morton. Yeah. That's what a lot of that is going to be is, you know, how like for Dr. Fred Miller likes doing the doom and gloom. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what this is going to be. Mm-hmm. But with tree preservation, right? Because a lot of people, and I know you understand, I'm just kind of preaching to the choir to the listeners, like don't really understand the processes that are involved with site development and construction and the constraints that are right. in place. So if you don't understand what the processes are, basic construction principles of utilities or houses or excavations or anything, mm-hmm. a fucking sidewalk, a new sidewalk, but if you don't understand how that happens, you can't possibly try to educate people on tree preservation except saying don't put it in the drip line or something right something generic like that you know yeah now we the way i've i've worked with with gcs is uh, you know general contractors and other construction stuff is i purposely overbuild tpz's and and crz's and any type of construction um protection zone for trees i overbuild it to beyond that beyond reasonable (laughs) <laughs> because yeah. they're going to come back and they're, you know, it's, it's a back and forth. Yep. Say I want eight foot, you know, you know, fence, you know, chain link fence, you know, panels that to be chained together. Well, can you do six foot? Yep. Yeah. Right. How far right. out? Uh, you know, three feet for every one inch diameter, you know, radius. Can you do two feet? Yep. Yeah. It's, right. It's, it's more than I really want. But I'm I'm getting what I want. Right. It's smart. Yeah. It, because they they don't know any different. They're not yeah. tree people. Because if I read their their manual for their construction project, it's you know erect the tree protection zone underneath the drip line. It's like, well, what's that made of? Uh, you know, orange snow fence and T posts. Like, what's stopping a contractor from going in there? Yeah. Oh, it's that's orange. What, they won't go in there. Yeah. And that's what our ordinance is. That's yeah. the minimum requirement: is minimum four foot tall fence installed on driven posts three feet on center. Right. Which. Three feet on center is pretty good, at least. I mean, but even I don't truly enforce that for for these folks. Yep. Um, if I see the fence up and it's reasonable, then I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, some people go above and beyond with six foot chain link, but it depends on the site, you know, and what what's going on. Right. The problem. This is the major. There's two major problems with it. Is like, at least with residential developments in a dense environment like this, right? Is like. Right. We have limited space. Okay. Yeah. So no matter how perfect I get that tree protection zone established. Right. And they keep it up for the whole project. There's likely going to be a point in that project where they have to take it down to install some sort of infrastructure that needs to go there. Depending. And most of it, in my case, is going to be that stormwater mitigation stuff. Right. Um, And then. The other thing is when they come in to do their final grading, what are they doing? Right. Right. What, yeah. are, what are they, what are they scraping off? Right. Yeah. The last, last semblance of granted compacted, but the last semblance of soil that's been there for 150 years since the original house was built or something yep. like that. Right. So, um, and that can't be protected most of the time because of the stormwater stuff right. and trying to keep the stormwater on that site, not get it into the sewers system. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's a battle for me. 
Oh, it's yeah. easier. I feel like it'd be easier to do like uh, like some like Amazon factory or some shit like that. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like they're do, they're t- they're doing like 40 acres and you got some pockets of trees you can save. Like that'd right. be easy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Now, I mean, but it's good that people like you do do that, you know, are in that position because I on the private side. I am someone that has to have control over what happens to that tree. Sure. Well, there's so many, you know, between utilities, you've got uh, so much going on underground in a tight spot that could happen anywhere from, you know, you know, the day construction starts to maybe 15 years later when the sidewalk starts heaving. Yeah. I mean, or a line breaks or somebody hits a tree and, you know, tears something out, (laughs) you know. Yep. Um, I think it was... Uh, city of Chicago, uh, they were redoing some of the water lines, and I believe the sewer is above above the water line, so they're redoing it. Okay. But I don't remember what. It was a session at IA's conference. Um, I can't remember his name that did it. Joe McCarthy. Yeah, Joe was talking about what they did to for tree preservation yeah. in that case. Instead of Otherwise, you're tearing out the whole infrastructure. Yeah. Because of the way that it was originally built. Right, yeah. You know, to, to mitigate it. Um, but... I mean, on the private side, when we deal with residential, we don't we don't have a lot of that, and it's 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 kind of nice. <laughs> well, it like I mean, some of it ties in because like you have four major utilities that your house needs, right? Depending on where you live, yep. you're three or four around here. You know, you have your sanitary lateral, you have your water lateral, water service, and then you have electric, and then you have gas. The gas is the fucking mystery. That could be right. anything because like NICOR, who's in our area, they just come in and put it basically where the fuck they want. Oh, yeah. So but the water and the sewer, I have a lot of control over. Right. Mm-hmm. When it's new, I could dictate where it's going to go. But it's but it's your infrastructure. Well, no. Not even the water? No. So Chicago, take Chicago out of the picture. Yeah. Because they do things like totally different than everyone else in the world. But basically, my, so we'll use my house as an example. My sanitary sewer and my water service is mine up to and including the connection to the main in the street. Right. It's my responsibility. Okay. Yeah. In the street, the mains, that's the city's responsibility. So when I'm doing plan review, I can tell that property owner where I want their service to be Mm -hmm. based on what impact they're going to be to trees. Right. Right. But there's separation requirements, IEPA, the Illinois or IDPA, the Illinois Department of Public Public or IDPH, Illinois Department of Public Health. They're the ones who license uh, plumbers in this state, but they're also the ones who dictate these uh, separation requirements. Sure. Basically, you don't want the poo mixing with your clean water because you make a lot of people sick. Not only that, in your house, it could backflow into the main and get everybody in you know, the right. city sick. Yep. So anyways, there's different separation requirements. So you have constraints with those se- separation requirements. You have the constraints with the trees. You have the constraints with their driveway, right? Then you mm-hmm. have the constraints with potentially where... Their electric's coming in, and in most of the cases, it's going to be in the backyard, sometimes the front. Yeah. And then, obviously, where the the gas sometimes, but again, the, they do what they want. So, anyways, I could dictate where all that stuff's going to go, which sure. sounds great, you know, and, like, this workshop I'll show, too. Like, it seems easy to, like, look at a house and a main and be like, oh, just move the line. 
Right. Just draw a line here. <laughs> You know, but then there's interior considerations, too, Mm -hmm. like from where the service enters the home uh, before it hits the meter. There's specific distances where it can be. Right. Right. So if they have a mechanical room set up in one place, but it's not going to work with separation requirements and tree impacts, Uh then they need to redesign the whole thing and move all that shit somewhere else. Right. Right. You can't I can't put a water service in on this corner of the house and then you know bend the pipe and run it 30 feet to hit the meter right because that's not to code either so anyways there's just like a lot of different yeah little things but if you don't understand that stuff you can't just come in and be like we're going to legislate this you yeah. know what i mean or you know uh i don't know you know what i'm saying i mean you've you know got I mean, you know I mean, what i'm getting i mean at. compared there's to, a lot of moving there's a lot of moving yeah, compared to residential you've got a lot happening in a small amount of space mm-hmm and and you've got exactly you've got trees which are dynamic, yeah. You know, versus your lines, okay, lines in, and you know you're hoping that the line from from the house to the street is you know stable enough that you know roots you know if there's a defect somewhere in the line that the roots won't damage it, right? But I mean you're you know do you get involved with like homeowner like residential trees getting into city infrastructure? at all no um that's not really so much of a major problem because the mains are so large that mm-hmm. they're never gonna cause Do anything substantial damage yeah. um most of the stuff that you see with that is with like the private stuff the private like sanitary yeah. sewers sanitary laterals before it connects to the main but a lot of that is just because you you're dealing with like 50 or 100 year old clay pipe right that's deteriorated cracked have a lot of separate seams where the roots get into modern yep. modern PVC. You don't have those yeah. those same type of problems. Um, but interestingly enough, in our ordinance, that's considered a hazardous tree. Really, because they define hazardous as how we think of it. In addition to if it's damaging private property, so okay. so if it's damaging the sewer like that then and there's only been like two times where someone's claimed it and i don't just take their word for it like i want to see like a scope or camera or or, or something you know from the plumber a document right you know yeah. what i mean like most people will just give me like one guy gave me like four invoices for uh clearing the line right you know what i mean yeah within like a year period i'm like okay dude i believe you yeah but it's it's unfortunate <laughs> because you remove those trees. The problem isn't the fucking tree. The problem is your, your fifty-year-old old, old clay. Clay. That's what the problem is. Right. Eventually, you're going to have to spend the money to fix that. Right. So why are you removing this tree that, you know, theoretically, just throw a number out there, could be valued at thirty thousand dollars. Right. To replace a fifteen thousand dollars sewer, right? Like yep. that tree took forever to to, to get there. So. Uh huh. I don't know. That's an interesting ordinance, though. <laughs> yeah. So in my old villa, the old city, we didn't have that. That wasn't in there. Like if that was an excuse, it was just the same argument. Like, well, this is the problem, not the tree. Fix, right. Fix yeah. that, you know, but it's easy to, rem- you know, get, get someone out there to remove the tree for some cheap ass company for a thousand bucks to remove the tree. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you're, you're, o- you're okay for a few years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> see, back where I'm at in, in the central part of Illinois, we don't really have ordinances like that. I mean, yeah, there's like, you know, hazardous tree, but it's it's usually going to be like a neighbor reporting it that, you know, yeah. you know, 
you know, I report my neighbor for having a tree that, you know, falls on my house, you know, or something or it's You're dead right. or, you know, things like that. But as far as, you know, like damaging infrastructure, like none of this, like ordinances just don't exist. Yeah. Like, and like, then, but what's weird is, is like we do, cause I asked this right away. The line is drawn with like flat work type infrastructure. Right. Right. So like if it's lifting your sidewalk, your private walk, even our walk, like we're not removing it. And if it's your private tree that you want to remove because it's damaging your sidewalk or your patio, yeah. like, sorry, like do some root pruning or something and right. fucking figure it out. We're not letting you remove right. a tree for this, you know? Yeah. I mean, but that's, I mean, that's the only way to protect your, I mean, if, if, if it's a rodeo, they can do whatever they want. Right. You know? Exactly. And you start losing canopy, whether it's pri you know, private or, or, um, you know, uh, city infrastructure, you're, you're, decreasing your your overall canopy yeah and that's why the the private resident everybody society education is important oh because like i I was talking to uh michelle about this uh recently like there's too much pressure put on us man like what the fuck like (laughs) city forcers especially like dude we're supposed to be educators communicators ambassadors uh-huh. and then also maintain all these trees well if you you know percentage wise talking canopy dude we're talking like less than 20 percent in most cases of the trees that we're actually responsible for right unless there is a private ordinance which most don't have right so unless you're doing something about that and like what you the stuff we we're talking about earlier like the work that you do like what are we really what are we really doing yeah, you know, what are we really doing? Like, great, we have this IRA money coming. Awesome. We're going to spend $1.6 billion on... On what? On what? Less than <laughs> less than 20% of the urban canopy. Right. What are we doing for the rest? Yeah. You know? I mean, you guys have been through EAB. It's not, it's not a, know? it's not a, it's not a, you know, I'm not trying to talk shit, but I mean, you know, what... Right. There's more, there's I mean, more yeah. to be done. I mean, people if, aren't just look, people aren't just looking at like what they're not going to see us doing all this stuff and be like, Oh, first of all, they're not even going to know about it. Second oh, of all, yeah. second of all, once we do it, it's not like, they're like Oh, I'm going to go out and learn about this myself. You know what I, you know what I right. mean? It's like when you're, they're doing, we're doing like uh water main replacements or something. They're not like, oh, I'm going to call a plumber and come check out my pipes, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. They right. They don't think like that. Yeah. I mean, I, and I do wonder where people are going to bury that money. You know, like what are they going to, spend it on like yeah in our part it's like yeah inventory and creating uh you know a forestry department like that's what they're yeah where i'm at like not i mean i'm in a higher populated you know area in bloomington but when you get outside of bloomington it's it's lower population there are there is no forestry department Mm -hmm. it's it's public works that maintain but don't maintain the trees yes you know yeah and you know the people that they call in to do it don't do good work yeah and now you're you know, now you got a problem, but the city where I'm at in Bloomington and, and normal, both of those municipalities maintain their own trees. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't, we don't get to touch them at all. Yeah. That's but, good. Which that's good and bad. That's good. You know, yeah. Cause you know, they're understaffed and you know, they don't have the budget to, they're doing other stuff. But like, if you need to, like if you have a property owner that wants to do something, can you just like reach out to them and say, Hey, I want to do this. Like, is there a process? There's gotta be. Uh, oh yeah. There's a process. And the process is no. Come on. A dead serious. That's crazy. Yep. Like even like us. And so my last role, we had a right of way permit, which was free. It was just a way for us to track right. what was happening 
for liability reasons, mm -hmm. right? And we would issue permits only to uh, certified arborists, right? Right. Now we didn't check to make sure the people who were doing work were certified arborists, right? But we were trying to do our due diligence. Yep. And here in my current role, those guys let stuff happen after talking to people. Mm -hmm. But most of the people doing work in town are doing it on the up and up to not have like a some sort of like open door policy relationship with contractors who are trying to do the right thing is kind of like, whoa, you know. Right. Yeah. Which it's believe, believe me, it blows our mind, too. It's like, hey, we want to help you, you know, take care of this problem now mm -hmm. but i mean it's because we're the highest educated and the most reputable in the area but the the answer is no that don't touch our trees now you we have they have an app which i the with the the university campus we work with uh at wesleyan uh their ground services guy loves using this app because he'll go uh some city trees are within his campus still you know it looks like it's on campus property but it's in the it's in the parkway in the right way yeah. yeah so he he goes around and takes pictures of them and it goes to the whole city. Like, <laughs> like it's basically like all of public works sees this, yeah. this, you know, like this tree's flagged or, you know, there mm -hmm. was a, a report on this tree. He got told one day said by the supervisor at, at the city said, can you please not do that? Because it's, <laughs> it's, it's making him do something, Jeez. you know, it's, and, and it's fine, but it's like, just, just do it. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we, we report the tree, you know, take care of it. But it's, you know, they've, they're understaffed and they got a lot of trees. Sure. And, um, but we, we have a hard time getting to be able to do anything on them. Yeah. Cause you know, we had one client that had two crab apples in his front yard. These things were big, um, in a nice, nice neighborhood. And he wanted to treat them for scab, you know, apple scab, cause they got apple scab every year. And we called the city and we're like, Hey, these are your trees. Client would like to treat them. He'll pay for it. And the conversation was, well, why should I let you do it? Because, you know, why, why would I pay you? He's like, well, you're not paying us. The client's going to pay us to treat your trees so they look good. He's like, well, why would I let you? It's like, because you want your trees to look good. <laughs> eventually, we, yeah, I hope we, you just we, did we, it. <laughs> well, eventually, they agreed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that's, that's, it's, it's for as progressive, progressive of a city as they are. It's just like there's just hang up of trees. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they pop in two or 300 trees a year, but then it's just like, oops, forget about them. Yeah. And, you know, in my experience, person, in my personal experience and, you know, talking with everybody, um, a lot of that is above. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? It's above us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's and why different, I, different, you know, I, it's unfortunate. I've been fortunate to work in, two places where they listen and they trust us and let us do our thing professionally. Right. And they ask us questions, you know, but a lot of the people that I talk with that I'm friends with and you're friends with and stuff like they're just like pigeonholed. Right. They're just a commodity. They're like, you know, they're, they're, they're more professional, more professionally like, uh, educated, either through college and all the certifications and stuff. And yeah, yeah they're making more money than like a, a, you know, year one maintenance worker who's digging holes and plowing snow, yeah. but they're treated almost the same. Yep. Right. They're giving a little bit of a leash to do more than that year one maintenance worker, but 
they're not right you know what i mean they're not that's just like a common thing and again i think that's all it's all education like what we're what we're doing now as an industry and ia is great with all with all the training right but like what like we are like probably a generation and a half away from where we would be close to where we want to be yeah without Oh, absolutely. You know, like we're, we're not, we're not, we're not there. And no one is ever going to, I don't ever expect any of us to, or, or this industry or society to truly buy into everything a hundred percent or to fully understand pruning specifications, right? Tree, structural tree pruning or plant health care or disease or, yep. or, or soil science or pests and things like that. I don't ever expect them to know that, but I just want them to have a better appreciation for it because they have appreciation for it. Then we could all do what we need to do to make things better for them. They don't even realize that they need it. Right. You know? Yeah. That's I, I think that's why I could never work on the, on the public side is because I don't have that, that, um, I guess leverage you know, dealing with, you know, tens of thousands of people and trying to educate all of them. Yeah. I'm dealing with, you know, same as like arboriculture versus urban forestry. I'm yeah. dealing with one tree at a time. Yeah. You know, as part of, you know, maybe a quarter acre. Yeah. You're dealing with, you yeah. know, hundreds, you know, however many square miles of, yeah. of canopy and how, you know, how everything works together. We're keeping that, you know, in the back of our mind, you know, with, you know, like wind dynamics and, you know, things like that, but not, you know, we're we're more focused on dealing with the client and getting them the education they want, so that we build a relationship. No, and it's like that's great though. I mean, that's we're we're all working together. Yeah. Most of us. Oh yeah. I wouldn't say all of us, but oh, most yeah. most yeah. of us, most of us. I think everybody's heart is in the right. Not everybody, but a lot of people's heart hearts are in the right place. There's a couple of fly by nights out there, but you oh, know what I mean. Like, right. Yeah. It's all a puzzle, and like what you're doing is helping what I'm doing. What I'm doing is helping what you're doing yeah you know yeah i'm i'm the municipal side is, is is a mystery to me just i'm trying to get more into it but the the deeper i go the the more broad it gets <laughs> I, I feel like i'm not gaining any any traction anywhere you yeah know, and like you know digging into it and see how things operate but it's so different everywhere that it's like nothing's consistent yeah because i go you know from say normal to bloomington which run they basically bleed together you know, different ordinances, different policies, you know, but they're, they basically act as one entity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and even the, you know, the quality of work is night and day between, you know, like municipalities. Oh, yeah. Or even like of course. tree planting or, you know, aftercare. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like pop them in the ground, forget about them. Yeah. Drive away. Right. I mean, that's, that's, we, we saw that niche and of, of planting. We now, that's what we're doing this year is, starting planting on residential sites because we're i'm i'm personally tired of looking at trees that are planted wrong <laughs> you know yeah i mean i on the municipal side you you know what do you plant two three hundred trees a year maybe more uh that's what we're planting here my yeah. previous role we we're doing 600 Whew. yeah that's a lot to it's a lot to maintain yeah and you know what or, we, or don't or yeah and that's exactly what we were doing <laughs> Was not. Not, right. You know, <clears throat> we didn't have a, a young tree training program in place because we didn't trust contract to do it because right. we, we had, the, that was our only option was to contract it out. So we 
let it go until they get to six inch and then it's on a cycle, which right. is not ideal. Right. Yeah, it kind of goes to me me presenting at the conference on the municipal side was felt weird. I thought it was great. I didn't know what I was going to get out of you guys because the municipal people are a wild card to me. Oh, I think, you know what, though? In this region, like, we have a lot of good, oh, yeah, a lot of good people, yeah. you know? It's, um, but I thought the presentation was great. Well, it's good, you know, at least there's one. No, there's a lot of people <laughs> that liked it. What are you talking about? Well, the biggest takeaway thing I got was the municipal people are terrified to touch their trees. I, I don't know. I think it depends. Well, I think it depends early, early. Yeah. You know, yeah. from from the time they're planted to let's say up to six inches in diameter, you may you probably should have touched them. Oh, absolutely. Twice, two or three times. Minimum two. But minimum now, two. But, you know, oh, we we have less money this year. Catch you down the road. Oh, you know, you know, you know, uh, half the trees died. Okay, well. I well, mean, and that's, yeah, and that's the thing is, like, we're, you know, obviously, you know, we're competing against so much. Right. With government has to do so much. Yep. For so many different people, for so many different reasons. And when you're dealing with what you're talking about, these large populations, you have to prioritize what what needs to get done right now. Right. right? So if you have less money, what are you going to do with it? Right. If you have more money, what are you going to do with uh-huh. it? You know, so that's just, yeah, um, I mean, smaller trees are, you know, might only be one pruning cut and you're done. Yeah. Hands off for, we would do, years, we maybe. would do like when we were planting, we would do, it was contracted, but like we were with them most of the time for mm-hmm. almost, almost every single tree. Now there are times where you'd break away for an hour or two, come back and then follow up to make sure the, you know, four or five that you just missed or right. 10 or whatever it was. We're fine, but we would sit there with them. But the thing is, is as soon as as soon as that tree came off the truck and they, you know, pulled all the twine off of it and let it open up, we were with 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 hand pruners removing the obvious shit right right away before it even was stood up and put put into the hole, at least trying a tiny bit, you know. Right. And it wasn't every single tree just really depends like some trees you didn't need a lot like not that we were yeah. planting a lot of maples but if you're planting like a red maple i mean those fucking things are like almost identical it depends, like yeah, it depends one, on where they're know? coming from too. that too uh, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah i mean you're you're assuming that the stock that you're getting is is well structured well and that's the other thing too is we were not everyone does this but a lot around here do is like we we're going to the nursery selecting and tagging every single one so yeah. we were at the nursery picking out 600 fucking trees yeah. which sounds great on paper right like so we do like three 300 ish 300 plus or minus 50 and then two and then another you know 250 plus or minus 50 ish for the fall yeah okay um but which seems great like right okay we're gonna go to the nursery we're gonna pick out only the best trees only the best ones right yeah. But it's not easy when you go there and they all they all are not good. (laughs) (laughs) Right, dude. And you're like picking over shit that other people have been. It doesn't matter when you're there. You can go five months before your season. Like, dude, we I mean, we were planting in like uh, uh, late April, early May. And depending, usually it was early May Um, or no, it was late April. Was it late April? 
can't remember if our budget was May, May 1st or April 1st. But anyways, whatever it was, we'd be there like January, like right after Christmas. Mm-hmm. And fucking everybody else had already been picked through, oh, you yeah. know. So it, do, it doesn't matter. And the, whole, the whole nursery thing is a whole nother fucking mess, you know, not to pick on them. They have their own problems, too, just like us. You it know? starts there. Yeah. Yeah. But it starts somewhere else before it even starts there right. for them. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. So they have their own sets of issues. Right. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Like, dude, sometimes they'd bring us to like a plot of like, you know, say say we were going to do if if we were doing, say, 350 trees in the spring, we may do, we, we would do like a ton of different species, like 20 right. of this, 20 of that, 20 of this, 30 of that, 20 of this, 10 of this, you know, like. Yeah. So you'd be like all over this fucking giant nursery tagging shit. So they'd bring you to a plot of like 60 trees and you'd be like looking, you'd be like, these all look like shit. Can we sub them out for something else? And then they'd right. be like, oh, we have another one somewhere else. Let me take you to them. And then they'd bring you to them. And lo and behold, they're fucking better than oh, the original yeah. ones they showed you. Trying to get rid of the, yeah. trying to push the bad ones. Right. Or, you know, it's like, well, that. Like a lot of them do, it's trying to get rid of the stuff that grows fast, like you know Freeman maples. Oh you know, yeah, I mean we you know we've been through it. You know calorie pears, Freeman maples. Yeah, you know we've been down this road so you know so many times that you know a lot of the issues we have, I think, on like uh, overplanting or or you know terrible diversity in municipalities, is a direct result of what's what was available in the nurseries like oh this thing grows i mean you're you're trusting them you know you yeah know, the growers yeah. like oh this thing grows great all right perfect you mean 800 you know autumn blaze freeman maples <laughs> right you know, dude yeah you know or calorie pair you know it's but that's it's like oh these things are you know tight and they're great and well they're, and then you know. and then and then in conjunction with that you're planting shit that like when or those guys because we're not doing it like this anymore but i gotta imagine they're i I know they're facing they were facing the same arguments like i don't want a tree they're messy i only want something that looks pretty in the spring or pretty in the fall right and the two trees you just mentioned are that right oh Oh, beautiful fall color on the maple and then the fucking you know pear great beautiful flowers in the spring you know so like Right. And then, you know, 10, 15 years later, you start, you know, seeing seeing the problems. Yeah. You know, I mean, the best thing that ever happened, I mean, in the last 10 years has been calorie pear hitting the invasive list in Illinois. Yeah. I mean, some nurseries are just like, get rid of them. I mean, some in our area were giving like a discount to people if they brought evidence in of them removing their own pear. Oh, wow. And to get another tree. Yeah, that's cool. Which is, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not going to, you know, advocate for clear cutting you know a canopy but if it's a calorie pair by all means do it <laughs> i mean they're at one point they were the number one tree that was failing in like wind storms or ice storms you know pears and pears and freeman maples yeah like the top two we see yeah constantly yep but you're not gonna see them in a residential setting anymore right hopefully right we might see freemans but the pears hopefully they're all gone i've seen a couple of pears proposed still have you yeah <laughs> even though i can't tell them no i tell them no when they change it right yeah i mean what's it take to change that in the is it, yeah, you have like an approved species list so yeah so our approved spe- so yeah here so like i've talked about this before with the pear thing so there, this is two parts so first we have an approved species list for trees that are mandated to be planted so if you're removing healthy trees and we're mandating you replace them with right. trees you have to plant off of this list if you're planting on your own, 
just for shits and giggles. Yeah. You can plant whatever you want. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, now, for our tree preservation ordinance, any tree over six inch DBH, six inch DBH or greater is protected. You need a permit. Yeah. Okay. In most of those cases, anything over 10 inches, you need replacements, either two or more, or two or more trees. Could mm-hmm. be two trees. It could be 50 trees. really depends. But anyways, if the tree is invasive and healthy, then that tree, then that it, that all those fees and replacement requirements are waived. Sure. Okay. Um, and the invasive list we make, and it doesn't live in the ordinance. It lives in a manual that's referenced in the ordinance, so we can edit it whenever we want. Yeah. I did not put calorie pear on that invasive list. Have you heard me tell this story yet? No. Okay. So you're you're like, what the fuck, Joe? <laughs> I'm gonna tell you why. And I, I I've told like Melissa Kustik, Kustik, I always forget how to pronounce her name. This I've told somebody else this. I can't remember who on this show. But anyways, the reason is this, and it's kind of it kind of it kind of goes about what you were saying. Uh, can't speak. It's similar to what you were saying about clear cutting a canopy mm-hmm. is this. And so we were my municipality is, is we are not adjacent to any um, natural areas. So that's the first thing. Sure. Yeah. OK. So that's the first thing. We have a couple small natural areas, but they're all well maintained. So there is no escape from that right. regard. Yeah. And that's that's the least of my concern for my particular situation. The second is what you said. I don't want people removing healthy trees to reduce that small pocket of canopy without planting new trees. Right. So until calorie pear is legislated as invasive in this state, I'm not going to put it on our invasive list. Mm-hmm. But that's going to be happening within the next one to probably three years yeah. would be my guess. Oh, absolutely. It's like everyone knows it is. And they're talking about legislating it. It's just. Illinois politics moves slow right. when it's something that's important and it moves fast when it's knee jerk reactions yeah. because Illinois fucking sucks. There you go. I said it. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> right. Yeah. It's true though. It's true. Yeah. Knee jerk for things, you know, that don't that, you know, any, anyways. Right. So that that's that's what I do. I don't want I don't want like particularly like a builder, for example, to come in and remove three, you know, 16 inch calorie pairs. And just get away with it. If oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? No, I want, some, I want yeah. replacements. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe some some sort of recourse. Yeah. But once they're legislated as invasive, then I will add them to, right. to the invasive list. Right. Unless, I mean, unless, I mean, that's not absolute either. Something else can change my mind, right? I don't, right. I don't know. But I let them plant buttthorn or something. Yeah, that's an... <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> It's an interesting topic. Like when I tell people that they're like, what the, f- what are you doing? Right. You know, but there's, again, there's pieces to it. It can't just be, you know, like, you know, if you're like a community, like where I worked before, we were next to a lot of our, a lot of our canopy coverage percentage was due to a forest preserve district. Yeah. You know, so yeah, obviously remove the things right and in those instances and even honestly in where i'm doing now i don't look at a healthy calorie pair and say you have to pay a thousand dollars or plant two trees right if i see something which these trees have a lot of some things yep then it gets qualified as whatever category and you can remove it right you know but if there's not 
you know, there's different levels. I don't know how to explain it, but like, yeah. if if it's like literally a beautiful, beautiful, quote unquote, a, looking tree, a good that specimen, the, yeah, yeah, then you know, there's going to be replacement requirements. Right. Right. But if it's like your typical, and you know, there's been like the past couple of years, you know, we've been dealing with like not so much last year, but you know, like fire blight mm-hmm. and you know, just general other decline that I'm not aware of, but eventually decline, will, you know what I mean? They'll take themselves out a couple extra codoms with like, you know, they all have the codoms with right. included bark, but you know, more extreme cases than yeah, they'll qualify it as hazardous and right. Kick it to the curb. Right. But anyways, yeah, we tend to see the Bradford's really old Bradford's are probably, some of the bigger failures we see. Yeah. When it comes to calorie pairs, the Chanticleers are, you know, they fail at a younger age. Well, and that's like, and that's when I said people proposing, that's what they're, that's what they're proposing to plant. Yeah. Yeah. Chanticleers? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, less, less overall footprint, I guess. Sure. You know, compared to something massive. But I still tell them no. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pick something else. Right. Right. I mean... (laughs) Do you have like a like some sort of educational documents like, hey, this is why you shouldn't do this? You know, not really. Uh, the under the canopy brochure yeah. that we have in the state, that's pretty much, you know, the like the go to. Right. Um, and then our approved species list, you know, but okay. I yeah. I try to like make a pretty clear defined line of like, you know, what my role is in local government and what the private contractor like yours is. Right. I am not a consultant. You know, I'll answer your questions to the best that I can, uh, but I don't want, I'm not going to stand out there in your yard and tell you 10 different options of trees, you know, like, but we do have a private property tree planting incentive program where we'll Uh give you money to plant trees. And in that case, I, since I have to go out to look at the site to make sure that they're going to plant a tree in a place that's suitable for uh, long-term longevity. Right. Long, yeah. Long, right. You know, excuse me. In that instance, I will work with them a little bit more. But, dude, I can't be going out there every single time someone calls me, like consulting with them. You know, I just tell them, right. like, call a certified arborist, you know, have them work with them. Yeah. And I'll tell them a couple things, you know. Right. Don't plant a pear. <laughs> Don't plant a maple. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, simple stuff. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's not your job. No. You know? But I, it's like, but it's like I said, you know, we have all this pressure on us to to do all this they they expect it because you're the village yeah whether you're the tpo or you know the village forester or whatever it is yeah that's what they expect you to do i tell them because i'll tell them like so it's great since we have an ordinance so what i say is like you know we don't come out and inspect or advise on risk or the health of private trees and they're like oh well they used to do it years ago right and i say well luckily you know we have a tree preservation ordinance in place so it's kind of a conflict of interest because I'm the one who's telling you yes or no if you can or can't remove a tree. Right. So I'm not going to come out here and tell you one thing. You know what I mean? And then right, you apply yeah. for a permit. That's a conflict of interest. Either I'm making your, I'm telling you you should remove a tree, or I'm telling you you shouldn't remove a tree. Right. And then the tree fails in a storm or whatever. Now, it'll reduce. Well, yeah. If you don't, and then there is the liability. The liability. Of it. Yeah. If right, you don't, if you yeah. don't advise them on it. Which is like on the private side, that's what we... Exactly. Like that's that's your role. Liability. And that's what yeah. I tell them is the private arborist, that's the role. Call right. call a certified arborist. Yep. Here's how you can do it. Trees are good. Dot com slash whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
here's the website, find a certified arborist or whoever you call, just ask that a certified arborist is coming out and, yep. you know, work with them. And then if you and your private arborist determine that the tree requires removal, apply for the permit, then I'll come out and I'll compare the condition of the tree to the uh, specifications in the ordinance. Sure. Right. And I tell them too, at that point, I'll, t- I'll, I can talk to you a little bit then, but right. I'm still not going to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. But I joke with them. I'll say, like, if they're like, oh, you come, my tree's not doing good. Can you come out or I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm worried about this tree. Can you come and tell me things? And I'm like, you know, I'll tell them no and why, and then I'll, I'll use this as an example. I'm like, look, if you're, like, going to be building, if you, if you have, like, water issues in your backyard, like ponding in your backyard, the city engineer is not going to come out. Right. tell you what to do to get rid of this mm-hmm. like you're going to hire a professional to do right it. so why am i <laughs> different right. than that just because it's a plant like <laughs> you expect me to come right. out you know yep i wonder if it gets into some people do but i you yeah know, we don't i wonder if it gets into uh like uh certain entities that are pub let's say like u of i extension or morton arboretum um if they have a public job they won't or it's funded, you know, that way, um, they won't specify, like, specific chemicals. Oh, really? Because, like, uh, m- namely, like, uh, actual trade names. Okay. It might be active ingredients, but they can't tell you to use certain things. Gotcha. They give you a list. Yeah. But because it, it reduces their liability. Yeah. Um, where I can go in and say, because this is what we would do, mm-hmm. you know, this is what we would use. Yeah. Because we're the ones doing it. But they're not the ones making the applications. They can't tell them. Sure. You know, to do stuff like that. Similar to what you are. You know, you can't say, well, yeah, you should, you know, contact Rainbow, you know, Ecoscience and go buy Zytet 2F. <laughs> right. You know, right. Like, that's, you know, can't do that. It's funny that just, that just reminded me. So that I had this, uh, very extensive like patio that someone was building and when i say patio you know i'm not talking about like what you walk past in my backyard you know i'm talking about like hundred thousand dollar oh yeah big thing living space yeah literally yeah Yeah. Yeah. and uh i don't remember if it was a bur oak or a swamp white oak but it was giant and i was like look the condition of this permit is uh you have to do uh, Peclibutrazole treatment, uh, and which I do a lot. It's just like right. it's one of the tiny, small tools. I know it's generic, but it's one of the small beneficial tools that I do have right. that, that I could use, right? Yep. And part of it is a, it's like a, it's a condition of the final inspection. Mm-hmm. So I tell them like sometimes it's a company with root pruning. So like if it is a company with root pruning, I tell them you have to do it to depending on the project, and you know you have to do it to a depth of twelve inches. Sure. You know, and then I'll tell them in writing, you know, on this uh, approved as noted thing, like document that I give them, like uh, as part of the uh, when you when I do my final inspection, you need to show me uh, a documentation from a certified arborist that this work was completed. Like and for Paclibutrazole, I want to know the date. I want to know the name and the certified arborist number. And I want to know the rate and quantity at which you know it was administered right so i did this for this one big giant patio and then like they called for the final inspection and i'm like okay i need this documentation and they sent it to me and it was uh what the fuck was it it was some sort of fertilizer that they had used and i was (laughs) like 
I was like, why? I was like, you didn't even do what I asked you to do. Yeah. And they're they're like, oh, this is what the arborist told me. I'm like, I don't care what the arborist told you, dude. <laughs> I told you this was a condition of the per of the permit, you know. So unfortunately for this tree, this is what's fucked up. Is I told him, I'm like, look, you, and then, and then they're like, well, I gotta see, I gotta see if, uh, I gotta see if they did the right thing. You know what I mean? They gave us like one of those, right? And then they did give me the invoice showing the Packley Butrazol treatment. Uh -huh. I don't know what they really did, but they gave me the invoice. I'm not gonna fucking take them to court over it, right? But you know what I mean? Like, if they did use some sort of fertilizer, and then contacted me and found out uh oh we fucked up and then did the pack the butrazol all like it was yeah. all like for nothing you know but right. um what's interesting is is like it, it's kind of like a microcosm is like people just cannot follow instructions correct you know like it's very clear that's like, why i am in any aspect i should show you actually like what i write to, yeah. for that specific instance because it's just a copy and paste right just to see like what your take on it is like for you as a private arborist if you read if like a builder handed you my document, if you would interpret it the way that I'm intending sure. you to interpret it, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. And on the private side, I mean, that's what we do day to day, whether it's a pruning spec, removal spec, um, treatment spec, it's how are we doing it? When are we, like if it's on the treatment side, you know, how are we doing it? You know, surface, subsurface, drench, soil injection, trunk, you know, trunk injection, whatever it is, bark application, foliar yeah. spray, whatever it is. How are we doing it? When are we doing it? You know, fall, spring, summer, you know, May to July, whatever the range is. And and the active ingredient. And, you know, and how long does this thing last? And, you know, if there's subsequent applications, when do they occur? Because we need to know it, and then they need to know it. Sure, you know, our, yeah. Our client. Because <clears throat> it's, they, they know exactly what we're using. I mean, because if I go look at other companies, and I, I love looking at uh, turf companies, uh, proposals for treatment. It's just like spray property trees and shrouds five times with contact insecticide every thirty days. That's it. Yeah, like, but what <laughs> what are they it. what are they going after? And, and, and you know, and that's and that's what I was going to ask yeah. you is like, how do you keep track of that? Because like when I sit in presentations and I'm looking at like the life cycles of insects and when different. Uh, you know, treatments can be applied based on degree days and shit. I always wonder, like, how does a company keep track of that? How do they know and are able to coordinate when their guys are going out sure. to provide these specific treatments at these specific times for these specific issues? Yep. I'll answer that. First, I need the bathroom. Oh, yeah, it's right there. <laughs> Davy Resource Group understands the challenges involved in caring for urban trees. Their team of experts include professionals with direct experience caring for street trees, reviewing site plans for ordinance compliance, and leading nonprofit tree planting programs. As one of the primary partners in development of the United States Forest Service's iTree software suite, they know that trees have immense value. Unfortunately, trees sometimes fail and can disrupt everyday community life. Their many years of experience has taught them that the fundamental role of any local forestry program is to maximize the values that trees provide and minimize the risks of damage, injury, or disruption. That's why their team is always evaluating new technology to provide better information on community trees. They believe that better information leads to better decisions. Tools like smart tree inventories, urban tree canopy assessments, eye tree analysis, 
and scientifically based tree risk assessments can help improve what we know about community trees so that you can make the best decisions about their maintenance and care. Since the 1930s, Davy conducted its first pen and paper tree inventory. They have been proud to be among the first to use the newest approaches in urban forestry. From their first inventory with field computers to leveraging drones and LIDAR, they look forward to equipping you with the best information to support your work. Our obsession is about you and your goals of building a successful career within the tree care industry. It's about keeping everything that makes your job safer and easier in stock and available at the best possible price. Casey started our obsession because he saw a change in the arbor supply industry from amazing customer service to terrible customer service. He owns a tree care company himself, and he knows how important customer interaction and communication is to a successful company. Providing amazing customer service takes a team of skilled team members specializing in every avenue of that particular business. Our obsession has an amazing staff, one that specializes in e-commerce and inventory management. Their shipper will even take extra effort to write you a personalized note if you left one for them. Their office manager knows everything about accounting, and their in-house splicers make sure every splice is up to industry standards. Casey himself is an arborist that loves this industry and what it stands for. His personal goal is to get you to the next level, a step up of sorts within your tree-related career. Yes, they sell arbor supplies, but their main focus is you, the loyal customer, and the excitement they bring. Casey Sellner is the owner of Arb Session Incorporated, and you can check them out at arbsession.com. The question was, how how do uh, plant, say, let's say plant healthcare people. Yeah. That's what I do. I'm plant healthcare director. Um, this is my day-to-day job. Um, and the question was, how, how to trap, like, treatment timing? for various pests and diseases. Well, there's there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, if you're in the southern part of the state in March, come to the Gateway Dream Conference. I'm doing a session on it. Okay. Uh, U of I Extension in, in Collinsville, uh, March 6th, I believe. Uh, I'm doing a session on this. There's, there's multiple ways to do it. Uh, one is, say, like a solar calendar. Like, uh, treat the, uh, treat for Zimmerman pine moth um, in April, uh, third week of April in central Illinois. And then it'll say treat two weeks earlier in southern Illinois and treat two weeks later in northern Illinois because we have different hardiness zones and different climates. You know, insects in southern Illinois are active faster than they are in my section of the state. And then in the northern part, they're behind. You know, like Fort Arboretum does their uh, plant health care reports. Right. By the time those come out, I'm I'm done with what's already happened. What okay. they're what they're seeing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so one is the solar calendar. It gets you pretty close, but if you're targeting what we call var, you know, uh, vulnerable stages of either an insect or a plant, you know, if it's a disease, we're targeting a vulnerable stage of a plant. So leaf, flower, whatever it is. Insect. It's usually larva, nymph. You know, smallest. Ideally, the smallest uh, life cycle or life stage of that that insect. The uh, the next is using growing degree days, which are a little more accurate. But if if you've watched weather patterns over the last 10 years, our springs are chaos. Yeah. They're warm fast. And then 
we'd get freezes. Yeah. You know, in the central part, we had one at like May 23rd. Wow. Last year. Wow. And smote some trees. Yeah. <laughs> I can mean, imagine. Yeah. Dude. yeah. It, it, it was wild. Yeah. And then, you know, insects, the way that they stay alive is they're synchronized to the plant's life cycle. Mm-hmm. So if if they're, if the insect comes out early and that plant's still dormant, that insect is going to die because mm-hmm. they, they need to feed to, to reproduce and yeah. stay alive. So growing degree days work. Uh, year to year, uh, I, I pulled, and it's in my presentation, I pulled four years of, of growing degree day data in, in my county, in, in McLean County, <clears throat> and, and put them together against each other across the whole year for all four of them. And I saw gaps, like early in the season, we'd see anywhere from like 75 to 100 growing degree day difference wow. on the same date, maybe two years apart. Wow. And then we see them kind of shrink together as the year goes on. You know, as, you know, say like uh, May through like August, they would kind of stay relatively close, maybe 50, 75 growing degree days apart from the lowest to the highest. And then we get into like October, November, and they just blow away from each other again, where we've got one year that's maybe 200 growing degree days or 300 more. Wow. Apart by the end of the year. And now granted, those are accumulated. So at some point they were yeah, slowly building. Yeah. So it, it gets you close. Growing degree days get you close. But you have to be able to track them. And what happens in, in the urban environment is there's microclimates. Of and course. the data you're pulling is from a weather center somewhere or a weather station. What's happening up there in the air, you know, however many feet away, you know, off the ground, is not happening next to a building that's brick. Yep. Or surrounded by pavement. Yeah. <clears throat> so the best way to track stuff is through plant phenology. So it's using uh, recurring um, biological events, flowering, leaf development, um, you know, uh, full bloom, early bloom, pink bud, um, using different stages of development of plants to predict when something's going to be active or vulnerable if it's a plant. So uh, Don Orton... Uh, worked for the Department of Agriculture a long, long time ago. And over a 20-year period, uh, uh, and by the 80s, by that time, he had been tracking data of when is this insect active, or when is it, you know, when does it hatch, when is it feeding, and what's flowering, or what plant is at a certain stage at at that time. And he kept tracking this over 20 years. Then he got hooked up with Dr. Tom Green, who was my professor at Western. Um, and Tom Green talked to a publisher and said, hey, we got a great idea for a book. And it took, you know, I think two years after that. I believe by 1989, uh, that book was published called Coincide, meaning inset development coincides with plant development yep. to, to some degree, or, or we call it the Orton system. So plant phenology is what I use. Um, it's, it's the most accurate way because as, as our springs kind of get warmer faster, maybe they get cold again or they get out, you know, it's not just like a a progressive temperature increase. The insects and the plants are operating at the same level at that point. So if, if I'm out treating Zimmerman pine moth, I'm looking for magnolias to be like early pink bud. So, okay. So I understand 
that. I mean, I appreciate the deep explanation because I did not understand, but now I do. Yep. Um, but say, I, I don't know, like what, I mean, how many, okay, so how many, how many clients do you have that you're, you're performing plant healthcare applications for? Just give, give me a number. Hundred. Hundreds. Hundreds. Okay. Yeah. So that's what, okay. So this is where I'm getting at is how do you keep track of all of these different specific pests or diseases that you're going after uh-huh. and growing degree days and the phenology? Cause you can't be at every site all at once to be right. able to look and predict at these things. Obviously you're looking at indicators yeah. when you see them because you're still in the same geographical region. Right. But how do you prescribe them to people are you only treating specific blocks of things so you can say okay i'm going after zimmerman pine moth and once that indicator is becomes prevalent to you then you're scheduling all that work for that yeah sir you know what i mean yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. how it's just so many different things and different different chemicals different yeah. different weather environments different species that you know that that's what i'm trying to like wrap yeah. my head around is there are the organization of it and, right. and mobilizing and getting out there and doing it it just seems like an overwhelming amount of uh information at at to first, be effective at at first it, it it looks like chaos if you were to look at my software like uh, we use arbor gold as our software for for scheduling okay and if you were to look at like my phc just jobs in general everything is there like you'll see my whole year of, of jobs you're like well why why do you care about you know this when that's happening it's like well i just need to know what my backlog is and i i'm going to pull certain stuff um either when there's an indicator plant like let's just say zimmerman pine moth for you know for example there's two periods to treat zimmerman pine moth one is early spring at uh, uh magnolia early pink bud with a contact insecticide on the bark because they're active for a short period of time. Okay. The next is typically in August when panicle hydrangea has started to turn pink. Hmm. So I've got two different generations, and that's the only time I can touch them. Yeah. So those are them and spider mites, like spruce spider mites or cool season spider mites, um, are very, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? technical i guess and and how they have to be treated mm-hmm. i have to treat them at the right time because if i don't touch uh, a cool season mite and when i'm supposed to in the spring they're dormant in the yeah. summer so yeah. that's why we're, we're basically we're targeting most most vulnerable yeah and it's just like yeah. i guess like isn't like most scale scale like you i mean they're all but specific depends type, on like, the scale so there's there's multiple but, ways to go after scale um one is through doing like dormant oils, which I'm not um, 100% sold on because a lot of the the scales we deal with are armored, so they can't be smothered. Yeah, then um, that's that's exactly what right. I was getting at. Yeah, so we're for scale. If you just, want, if you wanted like target like most vulnerable for scale, it's crawler stage. Okay, but if you've got 20, 30 scales you manage, you're targeting vulnerable stage across. 20 to 30 different scales throughout mm-hmm. the year, which should be chaos. Yeah. Granted, some people do it. That's great. <clears throat> but there are other ways to go after them, which is the way I've, I've streamlined our program is I used to do that, you know, and you're out constantly. There's a lot of chemical in the air, you know, mostly contact insecticides, pyrethrins, which, you know, 
drift and they hit off target stuff and you're killing beneficials at the same time so the i streamlined a lot of what i call sap feeding insects that all the scales go into one group and it's scale insects okay within our software like when i sell it when other salespeople sell it they pull scale insects and then it's how it's done if it's soil if it's bark whatever it is it's just labeled that way but we we take usually about the third week of may for for our region is scale season that's when we start and then i'll stop about mid-august treating and that's typically with dino tefurin, which uh, is a neonicotinoid soil applied or bark applied uh, insecticide it's systemic but it, it moves into phloem, which is different than like Zytet or Merit um, or Bandit, I believe is another one. Uh, that, that's a metacloprid. That stays in xylem. And if you, if you dig deep enough, you'll find that scale feed in phloem, and they rarely get into xylem. So you can't control them unless they go to a leaf. Interesting. So we stick with dinotefurin because it has, it lasts. Uh, yeah, four to five months, roughly, for us. So we're catching 99% of life cycles yeah. of, of scale. I'm catching adults, and I'm catching crawlers. So for the more, there's like super in the weeds, because I'm ignorant. I to, love being in the weeds. I'm ignorant to like all <laughs> of this shit. Like, I don't know. Basic, I understand basic, very basic concepts of mm -hmm. this, just because it's so out of my wheelhouse. So back to like the Zimmerman pine moth, okay? Yep. That... Basically, once you see an indicator, then you're basically just like sorting your data and being like, okay, now it's time to go out and you just go out and do the yep. work. Like you don't have to con like you've already signed a contract with the client. Yep. They understand that you're just going to show up one day whenever it is and do it. Yeah. Like you don't have to schedule with them that you're going to do this. So work. we've I've pretty much automated all of our program that um, on a Friday, I'll email for Monday. And everyone that I'm scheduling from for that next business day, okay, gets and it's it's pulling you know fields. Gotcha. From, yeah. And it's here's yeah. what we're treating. You know, blah 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 blah. You know, and you know you're getting this email because you know you've signed off for the service, and here's when we're gonna do it. You know, are you guys done. doing uh, any or a lot of like EAB or DD treatments down there? Uh, no Dutch elm disease. Um, we have very few American elms in general. Okay. Um, where where I'm at now, ash have have declined over a long period of time. So uh, for me, AB. So they're compared to the program that I would that I originally started over in, in Groveland area, Tremont. Um, the the ash are I don't know maybe fifteen thirty depends on the year compared to you know seventy five to one hundred and fifty. It you know okay. per year it disappointed about like the american elm i have like yeah. this like i know again that you are in a dense area but like i have this romantic idea of like the old like you know 40 or 50 inch american elm next to a farmhouse oh right <laughs> like no. someone's like i should treat this no you know not that no. the you know that the 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 uh pest load is high in a situation like that but you know what you know what i mean right like, it's <laughs> yeah i mean it's um Dutch elm disease had blown through there, and they, you know, they did the typical replants: Siberian elm, silver maple, and ash, and then EAB blew through. So, yeah. you know, you're you're kind of stuck. Yeah. Which you know, which everyone else was too. You know, they planted the popular ones. And, right. You know, you're you're stuck. But as far as like 
what we do. Um, look, no oak wilt. Um, it's it's kind of weird. We do have a higher oak population. We don't have a lot of oak wilt. Mm-hmm. What we have is, um, and Stephanie Adams touched on it a little bit. Um, if I top through a root rot, yeah, uh, severe drought, and we've seen it longer where I'm at than than what you guys have up here. Mm-hmm. Probably back to about. I would say 2013 was when we first started seeing dramatic oak decline over in like the Peoria market. Okay. Um, and we identified what's what's called hypoxylin canker at the time. And we didn't know what was going on because we just, you know, we'd been pruning oak. And then the next year they would die again. You know, more sections would die. And then we prune them again. And then more sections would, you know, obviously we're doing it in the winter. And they have buds. And... I finally pulled a, you know, I took a sample and looked at it. I'm like, well, what the hell is that? You know, what's under the bark? And then it, it was hypoxylin canker. And at that point, we just started seeing everything just blow up all over the place. And they had oak wilt over there too, but not that bad. And I started looking at weather data. I'm like, why are we starting to see this? And like all the publications were out of like Texas, you know, which has a high oak population, you know, between oak wilt decline and, and hypoxylin canker, they, their oats decline too, at a pretty high rate. And I'm looking at all this data. I'm like, well, why is it? Why is it here? You know, why? Why is it in the Midwest? And then I started pulling the weather data and looking at rainfall. I'm like, okay, we got a lot this spring. And I started pulling from like June to August. I'm like, we got nothing. And then I kept going back, you know, year after year and looking at data. I'm like, okay, we're starting to see drought. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, now we've got two-line chestnut borer. Yeah. There's hypoxylin canker. And then the tree's toast. You know, the literature says maybe a couple of years. We're seeing like three to four months tree's toast. Yeah. And no oak wilt. And we're seeing it across every every oat species where I'm at. And it's um, the highest concentration are in new developments. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> What's the... And that makes sense, obviously. You're right. Yeah. There, but yeah. it... Yeah, but what what what's your take on the and Stephanie talks about this a lot in her presentations is like the treatment of two line chestnut borer, how it's you know, you're spinning your wheels kind of waste and I obviously agree hundred oh, percent. Hundred percent, but you know, like with everything, there's like a reasonable if level, you're, level if you're of care. Only, yeah. Level of care. But like right. at certain situations like and I'm not being argumentative at all because oh, no. I agree with her. But in certain situations, like that's really all that you can do. So it's like, yeah, are you gonna do that or nothing? Because the latter is you're just gonna let it die quicker. So it's almost like we were talking about earlier with right. like the with like the, my silver maple. Like I know it's gonna die in a couple of years. It's oh sure showing yeah. it. Like I'd rather do a shitload of you know reduction cuts and manage it basically yeah yeah, yeah. let it yeah. so like where's that line at for you with exactly this topic of oak decline you so know? it's what we deal with are homeowners and they're they're invested you know trees are assets yeah and typically if they have an oak it's not small of course um, yeah and that's why they're calling you right yeah right, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and they're, and uh people are reactive mm-hmm. so as and it's 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 very hard in our industry. I could reach out to a thousand people, 
and you know say hey can i you know that all have a and say hey you know here's here's our program here's what we can do here's the data to support why we need to do this you know even though your tree looks fine you know here's the data to support why you need to do this program mm-hmm. and i might get five people out of those thousand that'll be like yep got it agree yeah but it's because they don't see a problem right and, and it's because they're reactive when they start to see symptoms um we're maybe three, four years of stress. Yeah, you're behind the curve. In the already. tree, which yeah. makes my job very hard. So the first conversation is setting expectations very low. Like, here's here's what we can do, but I need a lot of time. Like, this isn't, you know, this isn't like fits in your roof here where I, you know, I pull one, you know, one panel of shingles off and I throw another one on it. We're done. Yeah. You know, you got a hole in your roof and it's small. I'm, I need three five seven maybe ten years to deal with this tree yeah you're not going to pump nitrogen and make it look green oh no and but be like, people yeah. will but people oh, will people absolutely oh, they will absolutely. That's, yeah that's, that's, my joke. that's part of yeah. my job is reading what other people do yeah <laughs> it's like why did i well here you go um so we've over the years because i've watched how these trees are declining and why they're declining and, you know, and the soils that we're in are garbage. Yeah. You know, which doesn't matter if it's the tree's been there for 150 years. The soil it's growing in is depleted. It's it's trash. Mm-hmm. So we developed a pretty robust program of, yes, we're targeting two-line chestnut borer, but we're, we're trying to control the population. We're not, a lot of people would just say two-line chestnut borer, that's your problem. Yeah. They're not really getting down to the actual root of the cause of course you know, um no pun intended there but they're, uh, yeah there's putting the, there's putting a band-aid <laughs> on it that's all they're doing yeah which is what a lot of people will do like all right got it yeah d-shaped hole on oak <clears throat> two-line chestnut or mm-hmm. here you go here's your imidacloprid see you next year mm-hmm. tree dies oops so what we did was we we got ahead of the curve and i've been in tune kind of with what stephanie and dr miller are doing and i think uh trisha Yep. I think Beth Key has been doing. Yeah. Um, we've been ahead of the curve a little bit, but there wasn't enough research to support some of it. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, yes, this works, but we don't know why or when or how long how, it's gonna yeah. you know, it's gonna take. So we hit him with Pathobutrazol. Try and, you know, regenerate some stimulate that some, fine some root. roots. Yeah. You know, some some fine root uh po- you know, uh population there. We hit them with typically dinotefurin first uh, because it moves fast. It gets into flow because uh, imidacloprid works on opposite ends of the calendar, spring or fall. So I, I, I'm not going to get two-line chestnut bore very well with imidacloprid. So we'll go with imidacloprid after mm. the fat, just as preventive you know, from there. And then we'll um, hit them with uh, phosphorus acid, Reliant, um, uh, as a uh, soil app or bark app, um, is there, there is, it is labeled for Phytophthora on the bark app near basal roots. Um, Stephanie was doing like soil drenches with I think subdue mats and I think Reliant at the same or both of those doing tests. Okay, um, both fungicides. And then we've uh, overhauled the soil program. And I did it at my last job and I brought it with me when I came to this this uh company at oak rose um i brought this whole program with me and it's not about pushing growth which which it never was 
but it's about rebuilding the soil that those oak were originally in and rebuilding the organic matter, mm-hmm. breaking down clay, and then getting carbon, typically we're, we're using humate and biochar to get it into the soil so that these drought conditions are uh, less damaging down yeah. the road. Yeah. So we're slowly feeding carbon to these trees at the lowest rate we can because eventually we'll hit a point of diminishing returns if we keep pumping that soil full of like biochar. If we go in at the highest rate on a label, we'll eventually have too much carbon and it'll start holding stuff too tightly. So we slowly start working with these the root systems at this point because that's really the problem. We're seeing staghorning and you know pretty uh, consistent decline in the canopy we know there's something going on down below Mm -hmm. at that point or there's severe damage on a very major part of the tree you know like a trunk at that point it's consistent enough so we've gone that route and after about two years we start to see pretty good turnaround of these trees that's assuming there's no hypoxylin canker Mm -hmm. because that's that's a wild card and i have properties where I have active hypoxylin canker uh, infections, and I'm pretty clear. It's like, hey, we can do this, but there's about a 75% chance this tree is going to be dead next year mm. because all I can see are spore mats from from where the bark sloughed. I don't know where that canker is, you know, within that tree. Yeah, I'm I'm taking a wild guess. And we'll do some pruning, and we'll say, you know, hey, we pruned out the spore mats. I, I'll get a little bit more aggressive with pruning more than I should, you know, to try and do, yeah, you know, of course. Yeah. Man, yeah, yeah like whatever. we said, manage it. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like fire blights. I prune six to 10 mm. inches behind canker. Okay, great. Hypoxylin canker. I don't, I, I don't have that luxury. Yeah. I, I might go five or six feet and get in some big, <laughs> wow, I might yeah. have to get in some bigger wood. Yeah, yeah. But I've, if I don't do it, that, that disease will just run right, right through that tree. Yeah. And it'll be toast. Yeah. I mean, I've, the biggest property I work with that has uh, oak decline, it was easy to track, uh, new build in like 2020, and it was like eight acres, a lot of oak, bur oak, swamp white oak, red oak, white oak, big trees, I mean, and forested. They didn't strip just where the house was. They went all the way through the back and in between the trees oh, wow. and stripped all of it. Wow. And we, the only reason we found it out is because we'd see damage all over the base of the trees, you know, where they, where <laughs> yeah. they hit them. And we're like, this is this is a mess. And then one by one, the trees that were most affected by construction or drought are just dropping like flies. Picking off, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, well, what about this tree? I was like, no. It's like, it's, it's alive. It's like, no, it's toast. <laughs> I guarantee you. I don't like to be wrong. Yeah, of course. But, that thing, yeah, you got a really good track record of watching that disease move through oak populations right now, and it's fast. That's it, yeah. I and mean, it's, I mean, I don't know if if you guys see it up here a lot, but or or we're at, it's it, it runs rampant. Doesn't matter if it's urban or uh, or rural. No, we do. It's a huge it's a huge problem, and it's like someone just said it recently where it was a presentation oh it was michelle at a presentation at a emf recently she was like you know uh, i forget exactly the term she used but it was like 
it's something about our hyper obsession with oaks in this region. Right. Not because of this, just because of oak regeneration, et cetera. Right. But because of that, we're hyper aware of what what what's going what on. is happening. Right. You know, I mean, it's fuck. I mean, it's obvious. You could we've seen it over the past. In my professional career as an administrator or urban forester, whatever, mm-hmm. beginning in 2017 is when it will like hit like hard up here. Right. You know, that like right when I moved from field work to that is when it was really like, whoa, like right. there was obviously oak decline still. But in oh, fact, yeah. where we were, Dr. Miller and his interns have been studying private and uh, they've been taking samples for several years for as part of that study is from private and public oak trees. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. And we had Trisha up two years in a row. And then that's what brought uh, Dr. Miller in for for that. But, yeah, we've been we've been seeing it. And I still I mean, I see it. Right. You know, it's like it's almost like a joke. I mean, I can it's I like can Norway. It it's like yeah. Norway maples and oaks. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, yes. Yeah. Right. That's that's what's dying like like crazy. And it's, you know? it's and if you know what to look for. It's very predictive. Oh, I can I can see that. Yeah, I haven't looked into it to the detail that you you have, but I mean I've seen, I've seen them go you know rather quickly. And the staghorning is lit, that term, right? You know, uh, of like what I would explain to the layman. I wouldn't even be the layman. I would explain that term to 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 someone who's never heard it before as like very aggressive dieback. Because it's not even it's not even tip dieback. I mean, it's like no, what it's yeah. gnar, you know, it's not you know, what's it's gnar- what's happening is is the tree is doing its natural process of of senescence and it's yeah and it's retrenching yeah and yeah. it's 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 making itself smaller yep which they do all the time yep um, but when we get this 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 complex of phytophthora hypotsilinch anchor and two line chestnut bore, I mean it's it happens like clockwork. And we can, if you know what to look for, the homeowner, like one, you know, like maybe like 5% thinning, you know, in the upper crown doesn't, they're, they can't notice it, but like we stare at this stuff all day and what, you know, they're looking at, you know, oh, leaves are green, look great. I'm like, yeah, hey, we, we yeah, got, yeah. we got a, we got a problem. Yeah. Like, oh, that's great. Nope. Like, yeah, here's what we're going to do. And, you know, yes or no. Right. We're, but we we have the market corner because we're the only ones that manage, can manage it. Yeah. Because we're the only ones that Well, especially to that degree, it. you have like a great, you know, understanding of it and pres- prescription, right. you know. And it's and it's not cheap. I mean, clients bury, in some of these cases, tens of thousands of dollars. Wow. I have two clients that in different, uh, different cities that both have oak populations that are both construction sites and they both uh spend about 12 to thirteen thousand dollars each it's kind of sad because i i would imagine like that those sites they picked specifically because oh absolutely and even though they're removing they i imagine they remove trees to to do it but but they picked it because of that and but to circle all the way back to the beginning of the conversation like there's not uh uh, a great understanding of of tree health and you right. know with development sites everything just gets overlooked with us and most most look people, what happens yeah most you know? most people think that the the solution is 
you know, inject it, you know, with, with, you know, Mojay or I'm not, you know, saying Mojay is bad. It has its place, but like injecting it or fertilizing it, you know, a tree that's stressed. Yeah. That's, that's the worst thing you could do. Yeah. But that's, that's the understanding with people that, that don't really know how, how this whole system operates. You know, they're, they're treating, um, a symptom. Right. Is all they're doing. Right. And it's, and it's a bandaid. And in the case of, of fertilization, they're overstimulating it, and that tree just spirals out of control. Yeah, and we see it mostly, mostly with like fire blight because it's, you know, you know, say nitrogen fertilization is the worst thing. You can, well, it's a, eh, best thing to do for a pair is fire blight, knock it down faster. But, <laughs> <laughs> but wor- the worst thing that you should do in that case or with insect populations is is nitrogen mm-hmm. and and load it up. Yeah, and get it growing faster because now you just you just overstimulated it. Right now, it's it has no less defense mechanisms, and it goes to understanding how that tree's budgeted. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to make defense mechanisms. Right, they want to grow. They want to have sets, and they want to get rid of their seed. Top three. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's what they want to do. They want to make more of themselves. Right. And it takes a lot of time and energy to do that. And, you know, callus growth and defense mechanisms are way, way down on that budget. Right. And if that's why we use Pat the Butrazol so much. Yeah, it's a growth regulator. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not managing growth. That's not what I'm after. I'm after the, the benefits of that product or that, right. that chemical. I'm trying to manipulate that plant to doing something it doesn't really want to do. Right. And trying to not shut it down, but shut it down. Really. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, uh, when you deal with oats that are, you know, 30, 40 inches in diameter, it doesn't matter how much, you know, if you slow them down from growing, because it's not that clients out there every day, you know, watching, you know, with a ruler, <laughs> like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this tree hasn't grown in three years, you know? Yeah. But it, it, it takes the buy-in from the client to do it once of any part of our program and then keep doing it. This sure. isn't like, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm here once and we've put a bandaid on it and it's going to heal itself and right. we're done. Right. That's not how this works. Right. This is, this is a lifetime buy-in and that's, that's where our niche is that we deal with the people that want to maintain all of those trees. Yeah. But it costs a lot of money. Yeah. Like, really a lot of money and we do it on college campuses you know we'll manage same process there rob got uh illinois wesleyan's got just over a thousand trees that are theirs and we've removed some with hypotsilin canter just to get get it under control mm-hmm. and then start managing the other stuff you know the other roads to basically keep them alive gotcha. at this point yeah but they're they're all in yeah you know they it's it's setting if there's one thing people take away for phc treatments it's setting expectations you know of this is going to take a while yeah not you know oh great it looks great you know like iron or manganese treatments and you know for injections for chlorosis that's a like oh wow that looks good yeah the stuff that we're after right. like for oat decline you're not going to see it yeah for maybe three not, or four years yeah it's not like uh you have a headache and you take some ibuprofen and it goes away and then you're good. It is like slowly, you know, it just gets to the point that it's just dull. Yeah. And you've, you know, you've, 
you become accustomed to pain and you just don't <laughs> see it anymore, you know, but that's, yeah, that's, that's what it's like. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's a fun niche to work in because not a lot of people really understand it. Mm-hmm. Chemicals are chemicals and that's what a lot of the companies are after. And that's, oh, wow. Okay. This is labeled for this. This is what we're going to use. And then, okay. We'll bandaid it. Got it. And then typically problem persists. And then we get the call. Right. Of, well, this happened. They did it. And now it's happened again. It's like, okay, that's fine. Well, let's change it up. Yeah. So the way I built the plant healthcare program was built on uh, predictable results. That if I can't predict what's going to happen, there's really good chance I'm not going to do it mm-hmm. or even suggest it. Or if I do, there's going to be one really big disclaimer involved with it. <laughs> You know, for why it, it may not work. And sure. If it's not, you're not going to sue me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> just, just, yeah. I mean, some of the stuff we do is really, really pricey. Mm-hmm. You get into soil work, and that's time consuming. Yeah, like, of course. And again, and like I said earlier, with like the expectations of cost in professional right. trades, like, oh, absolutely, what, what we need to do. I mean, the if you were to look at our rates, we're TCI accredited. Um, you know, we, I'm, I'm a BCMA. I have two other arborists that work under, under, uh, within the company, one sales, one on the recycling side. We've got three more going through a workshop. I mean, within the company for a small company, that's a lot of, that's a lot of arborists. Yeah. Um, getting them to buy in is, is what we want. And, but that comes with a higher cost to clients because they're paying for that that information or that that professionalism you know not everyone's gonna send people to a certification workshop or an exam or pay for it so i think that's that's i mean like we got back early in the conversation of um why you were seeing higher rates on like your tci accredited you know oh yeah bids. yeah and it, i i get it as those, those companies are putting in the time yeah to better themselves yeah. and you know and if but that's that's just the way it is. I mean, we deal with it day to day. Yep. On on any market, whether it's plant health care, um, or or you know pruning or, or removal True or anything removal, like yeah. that. Yeah. On the consulting side, I'm, we kind of have a mo- you know a monopoly there. I'm the only one that does it in our area. Other people try, but we're we're the only ones that are consistent and predictable with with what you get out of it. The but the rest of like the general tree work and plant health care, I mean, they're higher rates but they're built on a platform that's, you know, got a really strong structure behind it. You know, that's why we're doing it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, TCIA accreditation, I wish everybody would do it, but it's, it, it, it looks at your business in a way that you may not want to see it because it starts to pick, you know, may find your holes. Sure. That, that you don't want. Yeah. And anybody that's, to you see. know, but that's what it's designed for. Well, absolutely. Bring us all up. Well, absolutely. Yeah, both companies I've worked for, um, King Tree Specialist in, in Groveland, um, and then Oak Rose Tree Care and Removal, um, were both both accredited. And we still are, and, and they are too. But that's the biggest, what um, residential people are after is price. Yeah. And it's it's a hard sell. Yep. I mean, we were big equipment, we're flat, you know, flashy, wrap, wrap trucks, 
um, you know, credentials, but the customer we're after isn't the one that's looking for lowest price anymore. Of course, yeah, yeah. And that's that's what people have to understand is you really gotta know your know your market. Not every client is your client. <clears throat> right, right. I mean, circumstances change, you know, all the time, like inflation. Mm -hmm. Like we're seeing it where we're at. Our market is really slow because it's it's cold. We're getting pounded with rain, <laughs> and like nobody's, you know, and and inflation's up. Yeah, you know, nobody's coming out to do anything right now. Right. So, yeah, and it's hard, especially you know in the winter. People forget that they have fucking trees. It, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> until it, until it, well, we were just at one um, the other day that a neighbor's tree fell on someone else's house. Oh, cool. And put a, uh, basically caved the sheeting in and the, the, the house owner where the tree fell onto, um, never, it had been on there for like a day and a half. Wow. And never even like looked at it. Wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Never contacted insurance, and they're like, "Well, I don't think it's through the roof." And we showed them a picture. It's like, yeah, there's a. I mean, there's a. It's it's through your roof. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't think there's water damage. Like, you should probably look because it's been raining for two days. <laughs> right, since that right. happened. You know, it's the second time this has happened. But I mean, people in the wintertime don't look at their trees. Right. And we we do all we can to like. We call it touches. I, I say I'm not a marketing person by any means, but. We were constantly educating them, you know, whether it's through emails or, you know, social media or, you know, small site visits, whatever conversations. But they, uh, some people get annoyed by it, you know, it's just like too much. Yeah. You know, it's, there's too much stimulation there. And it's, it's a fine line of, you know, how often do you keep. Yeah. And it's hard because people. they're getting hammered by everybody mm -hmm. you know they're probably getting 30 fucking emails a day 29 of them from something that they don't right they haven't had any contact or care about for the past several years right you know yeah. Yeah, right yeah we're very strategic in how we how we approach people because we we're you know we understand that they don't want to be bothered a lot mm -hmm. so we it's like i'll come up with an idea like hey you know we need to start pushing this like you know soil program you know we we know we have drought most of our soils we've sampled in the area so we know what they're what they are and what they aren't so we know how we can affect everybody you know in our entire client base so we'll push out stuff like that and have no issue but other times we'll get emails like stop contacting me you know <laughs> you just sent me one yeah it's yeah. always always interesting to get those like stop it take me off your list right <laughs> Just hit the unsubscribe button, please. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I didn't mean didn't mean to bother you. Sorry. Oh man. Yeah. So what got you going in the municipal side? Uh, I didn't really have a choice, man. I just like I was in the trades, and uh, downturn in the economy led to downsizing in the company over a couple years during the you know recession mm -hmm. and after and left that company went to another company got laid off and i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do with my life was newly married uh was a kid on the way shortly after that and then 
I did a lot of mountain biking. I spent a lot of time in the forest preserve here doing some volunteer work on sure. like trail maintenance and invasive removals on the trail corridors. A little bit of that, not much, but mostly trail maintenance. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I should look, see if I can get a job there. And they were hiring uh, seasonal maintenance workers. Okay. Yep. So that's basically how I got in. It's just like there was a there was a uh, administration change with the Cook County Board President and they opened stuff up to uh-huh. people because it used to be, you know, you had to like know somebody. So they right. opened stuff up. I got in, I saw the forestry crews working and I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah. So I started working towards that, you know, just worked hard, got some little certifications and licenses. I needed to just even be able to apply for that job and got in and just kind of went from there, man. That's, sure. that's it. Yeah. Kind of grinded it. And that's kind of what I've been doing ever since grinding, grinding. That's right. But what I found was that it wasn't like at first I thought it was doing these things that I have to do so I can get to this place. But what I found while doing that was I enjoyed it. Right. Not specifically the work or the industry, but I enjoyed putting in the work. You know what I mean? Oh, like, oh yeah. No, absolutely. That's what I There's, That's what I mean. You know, so. Yeah. Um, and that's just what I've kept doing. And that's what I'm what I'm still doing. You know, I'm already, I'm at the this place and I've talked about it with a couple of people on the show. I think Scott Grahams and maybe even Steve Ludwig. Like I'm at this place professionally where it's like I should already just I should just be happy. Right. You know, a decent salary, good benefits, you know, tons of years in the pension system now. So like I'm going to be fine when I retire, you know, that sort of thing. Right. I should just be like happy. But, you know, I keep doing all this extra shit, man, like the IA stuff, um, the stuff I do with the state, uh-huh. you know, all, all that. So I just like doing it. I just like keeping keeping going. Well, know? there's there's those of us in, in the industry that we have to do it, like, because we know other people won't. That's true. Yeah. 100%, <laughs> man. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, I'm already thinking yeah. like four years down the road once oh, I get off the board, like right. what am I going to do? You know, so I might want to like try to transition over to like, if I can, maybe the Urban Community Forestry Society, formerly Society of Municipal Arborists, if I can or, or something. Right. Or, or I don't know who knows what will happen in four years, but I'll probably keep doing extra and giving back. Oh, absolutely. You know? No, I mean, there in some yeah. capacity, I just I enjoy it. Yeah, there's there's people in this industry that it's a job, it's day to day. You know, they they enjoy it, mm-hmm. and then there's those of us that like this is like this is our life. Oh yeah, I mean, dude! Like all of my f- friends, like my real life friends, are like this. Oh yeah, you know, like yeah. <laughs> these are the people that I text with and talk with. You know. Mm-hmm that these are the people that I hang out with and even just like the conversations we're having now, that's what we talk about. Right. And still our personal lives and stuff, but you know, that's why this podcast works because I like talking about that stuff, you know? And I think that's what the listeners like about this podcast is it's, it's different perspective. Yeah. And and it's like natural conversations. Like it's not cut up and chopped up and edited. Right. To like market this specific vision of the guest or whatever the topic is, you know? right? And no, it's I I like perspectives because that's that's how I learn is just either listening or or watching. Um, yep. 
I'm what I would call an industry robot. That <laughs> I, I can't turn it off. Yeah. Um, I have more pictures of trees than my wife. <laughs> you know, things, yeah. you know, I, I, I love my wife and she understands that this is, this is what I do. Right. You know, and oh, great. You know, you got to go away for a couple of days. Perfect. You know, well, it's like you're talking about what, what we started this conversation with, like the beer and the hobby. Yeah. Like this is a profession, but it is a hobby. Like, oh, it absolutely. Is, like it is, you know, it's uh, ingrained in us. And um, there's something about it, man. Our industry is very unique in that, that I, I think there are people in every industry that are passionate about what they do, but I don't think it's a lot of industries have it like in their, blood generic as a cliche that is no like like we no. do you know right yeah i just it's not it's not it's not the same right yeah there are people like you've got you know ed gilman jake musepower stephanie adams they've got their niche you know the, their phds in that that specific area and that's what we rely on because we deal with uh, a more broad area i could never get a phd just because I don't want to learn too much about one thing and kind of forget what, the rest yeah. of what's going on. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, I don't believe that would happen long term, <laughs> but that's, that's what I feel would happen to me is I would basically pigeonhole myself into like only learning one thing so long that I just kind of forget the rest of the tree world. Cause on the private side, we work, we work everything. Yeah, know, of and, course. You know, yeah. Of every aspect. So I got to understand it all. <clears throat> but that's why I rely on those people to learn what they do. They do their research. They pass it down to us. We yep. apply it, you know, yes. based on research. And, and that's, that's how, that's how and it works. You know, what's really cool in my opinion is like about what you just said is as much as we rely on them, they rely on us. Absolutely. And our field observations and our opinions, Yep. you know, and yep. what, what's cool about this industry is I talk about all the time. Like once you're in this industry, there's so many different things you can do and be successful at. But what I also talk about is how inclusive this industry is, yep. you know, and I've talked before about like going to my first conference and not knowing anybody or mm -hmm. going to a training and just sitting there quietly and nervous, you know, oh, absolutely not yep. talking, but like everybody for the most part wants to share information yep. and are friendly and we all rely on each other and lean on each other for support and both professionally and personally. Right. And you know, we have this great, great system. Just, I don't know. It's awesome, man. No, I mean, everyone has their own perspective and, and experience doing it. Yeah. You know, and I, I'll be the first to tell you, I, I won't tell you exactly how I do things if you're a competitor. But if I come up to IAA conference and somebody I don't compete with, I'll tell you everything I do. Yeah. You know, because I, I like to have a little bit of competition. Well, yeah. You know? I mean, there's you a know? there's a line, obviously. Yeah. Right. Uh, but right. I mean. If I'm never going to ever compete with you for, for a market. Yeah. I'll tell you everything you want to know. Yeah. You know? But like wide, big picture scope wise, we are oh, yeah. so. Absolutely. Inclusive. You know? No. It, and well, I don't mean inclusive in the. Oh, modern, we have. modern PC times of inclusion. <laughs> I mean, the real, you know, not right. not the real, like that's not real, but you know what I mean. Like, no, I mean, if people, if people would have met me in uh, 2016 when I first got involved with IAA, um, they probably would have thought I wasn't really going to do much. Just, I was very quiet. So observing. I always have been. Yeah. Um, and 
it took meeting Bill Bolt down in, um, uh, he was in, a shoot, Mason County, um, Springfield area, Salting Arborist, past president of IAA, um, hooked up with him for a couple of years as basically a mentor, you know, while I was at my other job in, in Groveland, Tremont area, near Peoria. And then when he passed away, there was like this weird void in our area, like the central part of the state. It was like nobody did, like nobody was there to do training. Mm -hmm. I'm like, shit. Like, yeah. You know, I'm not exactly outgoing by any means. Like I am 100% green. If, if, you, if you need someone to cry, you know, if you got shoulder you need to cry on, do not come to me. <laughs> I, I just, I yeah. can't communicate that way, you uh -huh. know. I, I could probably analyze why you're crying, but you know, but I don't, don't, it's, you know, don't, don't look for affection from me. Um, after Bill passed away, I was like, oh shit, there's this giant void. I gotta do something. So I wound up taking over some of his cases for appraisals mm -hmm. that he was working on at the time uh, before he died. And those wound up going, uh, the money from that I, sent to IAA, the company did, that I was with. Oh, wow. Uh, in return for uh, starting a, a memorial planting. And it was strictly for Bill at the time. This thing kind of evolved over time. And I don't know if many people actually know about this memorial planting or not. Some people do. Um, so the money went from there. Basically, it was asking for a match. I put in, you know, we put in X amount of dollars. Um, we want a match. You know, start these, buy the trees and plant these trees. Mm -hmm. And that evolved into um, what's now, I think we're up to like eight trees uh, every year. Um, we're planting trees in Springfield at Rotary Park yeah. to help them rebuild some of their, you know, forest a little bit. And honoring, you know, past people within our association that were uh, very influential. Yeah. And Bill is one of them. But I, I do all the training down there, uh, you know, workshops and advanced training on, like, the pest, pest diagnosis and management domains for advanced training. And then all, like, the certification workshops mm -hmm. are all central part. Um, I'm doing all those now. But it, it took Bill to, like, break that shell. Because Bill was very outgoing. I don't <laughs> know if you ever knew him or not. I never did. No. Um, very, very outgoing individual. I mean couldn't you know if you were mad you were going to be happy you know once you saw him and it took that to really break that shell of okay i'll run for a position but i was appointed first so i didn't really get to run okay on the board and then i was like okay what are we doing here like i spent like three months just like watching on the board as a commercial director and then april tony's like well you should run again you'd be really good i was like okay i guess so I ran for commercial again because that was the one term was up. And I won. I was like, okay, this is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. you, know, you get to go to stuff, get to do stuff. And April was like, you should run for vice president. I'm like, come on, April. <laughs> I've been on for a couple of years. You know, I want something else to do. And then I won vice president, and then that's a four-year track. And I finally went off this last year, and it's like, what do I do? Yeah. You know, it's like seven years of of board stuff, like, gone. Right, like that, but it was fun, um, and I think people are. It gets back to some of Steve Ludwig's presentations that people are scared to like 
get involved or even ask questions. I think asking yeah. questions is the biggest thing. And after I gave that talk at annual conference on pruning, I went down to the hotel bar with a bunch of people to get you know food and and beer. Obviously, I was there. I think. And I sat, and that's this guy at the bar. He's, he's just sitting there, like, not saying anything. I'm like, hey, how you doing? You know, he's like, oh, great. He's like, after, like, five minutes, he's like, I don't want to sound stupid, but, and he started asking this question about pruning. He's like, I was like, ask away, man. Like, right, just do it. He's like, I don't, I, I don't know. I feel stupid. Like, it sounds so simple, but, like, well, it's not. Like, <laughs> There's like we're trying to make it simple. Yes. But like, yeah. You you have to ask questions. Yeah. And, and that, we all want to share it. We right. want to talk. Right. If I don't like to talk about anything but trees and beer. Those those are two things that I can talk about for days. Yeah. Without sleeping. But that's I want you to ask me a question. Mm -hmm. You know, because otherwise I assume you understand it. Right. And that's uh, I do a lot of like training at work and Unless they ask me a question, I assume, you know, you get it. Unless I go out and say, okay, you didn't get it because, you know, I didn't do it this way. Yeah. You know, but, like, ask questions. I don't care what my credentials are. Ask me the question because we'll be glad to answer it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We will. And, yeah. I mean, that goes for anyone in this industry, though. Yep. I mean, we, we want to help you. You know, it doesn't matter who you are or what your education is. Somebody's going to learn something I mean, i've been doing this for nearly 15 years in the green industry and 14 of them in trees and i mean i don't know everything I never will but i at least i can help somebody understand yeah you know. and you know but and, that, and that's a really good point because you know even the phd folks don't know everything and know that they don't know everything right. and are continually learning. Oh, absolutely. You know, no, I, I make it a point when we go to like conferences or something like TCI Expo, I tell our employees, I'm like, learn something every day. Like I don't care what it is. I've, I may go to a session that I, I know, you know, pretty much everything that they're probably going to talk about. But I'm look. I'm looking for that one little sliver of information that I can apply yeah. to something else. Because I, the way I think, is in a world of processes. Like if you just give me chemistry to look at, I can't do chemistry. Like I was a terrible chemistry student. But if you give me chemistry and soil, I can apply it all day long and figure it out. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking for like one little sliver of a process that I can move to something else yeah and and take that away and then the ball just keeps you know rolling and i'm you know researching other stuff and looking for publications and studies of course yeah you know it's, yeah. it's, it's one big one big hole yeah you know, black hole of information at that point <laughs> it's like, yeah bosses what are you doing don't worry about it yeah <laughs> let you know in a month that's <laughs> why it's that's why he's i was like it's gonna take me a little bit to figure this out but we will get it right yeah i don't want to be wrong so i that's part of being green is i i will take as long as as needed to kind of figure out how it's done before i implement it because i don't want it done wrong yes you know the trees are dynamic but i also don't you know when we deal with them they're private trees so 
if we do something that the client doesn't want or incorrect, that is a long-lasting, you know, effect down the road. Of course. Yeah. Which then we may have a pissed-off client. Yeah. Which, you know, or or they may not know the difference, but I know the difference. Right. And I got to manage it from that point on. <laughs> you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, let's wrap this up and go get some dinner, dude. Yeah, it's been fun. Let's see what time we got here. Two and a half hours. That's yeah, it was bad. fun, man. I'm glad you came. We, uh, it's been like a year or so that I've been trying to nail this down. I was thinking about trying to do it during the annual conference, but I didn't end up bringing my stuff because I just wanted to focus on board stuff. Yeah, conference. So conference is so. It's harder so, for our so conference busy. because we're doing stuff. We're doing it all the time. You know, yeah. and once you get to the end, it's easier for me to record at other conferences because I'm just at the conference. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah. our conference, like you said, we're doing so much. And by the time it gets to the end of the day, dude, like, I just want to have a beer and sit around and bullshit with everybody. Right. Yeah. No, no, yeah, like Zach, <laughs> Zach Kenya Draft, he's like, what are you doing on Joe's podcast? I was like, I don't know. Whenever Joe calls me. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I yeah. don't know, man. He's like, I want to know your story. We didn't even talk about your story. I, we talked about lots of other cool stuff. Yeah. We can do your story another time for a, a part two. Yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Tom Tom Green product from Western, so yeah. if you've heard Stephanie's or yeah. Elizabeth's or Bo or uh, well, Bill Black, Charles Shantz, man, there's there's a lot of us. Yeah. Out of there program. are. Yeah. We're a... Yep. <laughs> Tom's got a lot of kids. Yeah. <laughs> out yeah. there. No, Tom Tom was good though. Yeah. It was good for our industry. And hey, still a great guy. But I mean, we're we've got a really long reach. Yeah. And this and within Illinois at least. Oh yeah. Which is great. Definitely. Yeah. For a small little podunk town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In Macomb. Yep. Yep. And hopefully it gets bigger. That that miner's back now. Oh yeah. Yep. That yep. Forestry miner. That's good. Which is really good. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, but yeah, man, thanks for coming. Yep. Got to see your crappy trees. Yeah. In your front yard, and we'll watch them grow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks, dude. <laughs> no problem. The practice of urban forestry is rapidly changing. Challenges like climate change, invasive pests, and dwindling budgets seem to be accelerating. Yet, the world is looking to urban trees to mitigate urban heat islands, capture stormwater, and solve social inequities. For decades, Davy Resource Group has provided the tools that their partners need to solve a wide range of challenges. From iTree and tree inventories to master plans and carbon credits, everything they do is a result of helping you solve sticky municipal forestry problems. Their team of local professionals love to solve new challenges and build creative solutions. How can they help you? Check them out at davy.com slash drg.